Kenny Loggins from 1988, Nobody's Fooled, from the Caddyshack 2 soundtrack. Nobody really remembers Caddyshack 2. Like many sequels, it was very inferior to the original. And I knew that before I even saw it. Caddyshack is just a movie you cannot make a sequel to and have it be any good. There's just certain movies that are not fit for sequels, and that was one of them. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Dreff and Friends show. I am Todd Dandruff Wittellis. We're here every week at around 6.30 p.m. Sometimes we're on time, like today, and other days we're very late. But always around 6.30 Pacific time, I show up here. Sometimes I have a co-host, sometimes I don't. We have a revolving door of co-hosts. And talk about whatever's going on in the world of poker and gambling and even sometimes some other things. So I know most of the audience listens in the archives, but we have some live listeners. We have about, I'd say about 10% of our listenership is live. And I appreciate the live listeners and the archive listeners. I like them both. But if you can be here live, it's a different experience. You can be in the chat room and interact with other listeners and even make comments that I will read in the chat room. You can even text me during the show, and I'll read those as well, as I'm sure you've heard before on the program. Let me give you the phone numbers to reach me today. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. That's our main phone number. That is also our text phone number. You can text me at that number as well, 775 372 8355, and I will read your text during the show unless you ask me not to. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. Don't text this number because you will not get through with your texts, but you can call the number. Mount Charleston is a mountain that hangs over Las Vegas, about 45 minutes away by car, gets snow in the winter, and I have an old 70s rotary telephone. One of these days I'm going to take a picture of me and the phone up there at Mount Charleston. That phone number is 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. No matter what number you call, make sure to show your caller ID by dialing star 82 or just selecting the option on your phone to show your caller ID. Otherwise, you will get a busy signal and will not get through. If I don't answer, don't worry. It just means I'm in the middle of something. I'm in the middle of a speech or a rant or just don't feel like taking phone calls, but Try back in about 15 minutes or so, and I'll probably take your call if I don't answer. Do not hammer me over and over with calls, or I will not answer your call at all, and I'll probably even block you from calling the show. If you want to follow along in the chat room, as I mentioned before, you can click the chat button near the top of the screen. You need, an, you need a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum to use the chat room, and you need a flash-enabled device, meaning no iPads and no iPhones. Sorry about that. You can text me, as I said during the show. I'll read those. You can PM me in the chat room. Tonight we have a free roll. $71. No limit hold'em. It's at 7.40 Pacific time, about an hour from now, so you've got some time to get over there. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, as usual. You can find that near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. You need a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, but it's totally free. You don't even need any play chips to play the tournament. If you want to qualify for the free money, which, by the way, is cash, meaning I will give it to you any way you want, bank transfer, PayPal, check, cash in an envelope, I'll do it. 
But to qualify, you need a registered account on Poker Fraud Alert's forum dated June 1st, 2013 or before. June 1st, 2013 or before. If you do not have a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum dated June 1st, 2013 or before, email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me you have been listening to this show at least three weeks. And tell me some things you've heard on those shows that are not listed in the show description. Basically convince me you're not just here to play the free roll. Here's the agenda for tonight. And by the way, the free roll, uh, let me give you the names of the generous donors to the free roll. Because I didn't put up the 71 bucks myself. It actually came from our users, as it always does. L Train Koja donated $50. Thank you to him. He donated last week, too. Hotshot74 donated $10 plus $5 for a bounty on Hockey Guy. So if you knock out Hockey Guy, you automatically get 5 bucks. And JSTAT gave 6 bucks. So thank you to the three of you. Total 71. The way it breaks down is first place, $35. Second place, $16. Third place, $10. Fourth place, $5. And, of course, there's the $5 bounty on Hockey Guy. reason it's kind of top-heavy this week is because Hotshot74 wanted his 10 to go all to first place. So whatever way you want your free roll donation to be used, I will do it. If you want to exclude certain people from winning, I'll do that. If you want me to donate it to a certain place, I'll do that. If you want me to pay last place, I'll do that. And I've done it before. It's your money. You can say the way that it gets used. That's the respect I show to the people who donate their hard-earned cash to this free roll. Poker Fraud Alert has actually had more money in its free rolls since the show started two and a half years ago than any poker radio show or podcast in the world. If you add it all together, we've given away more money than anyone. And no catch. It's all free. We just register and play. It's easy. I'm not sticking you on some crappy online site that's going to be hard to cash out from. This is real cash money. It's easy. Here's the agenda for tonight. This is kind of a poker star's heavy show. At least the beginning is. Three poker star, Sorry, four t- poker stars topics. I was going to say three, and then I see a fourth one, too. First Poker Stars topic has to do with Joe Cada. Now, Poker Stars has been cutting a number of their pros. That's kind of old news. It's semi-recent, but we've talked about that before. But when they've been cutting their pros, they haven't been explaining exactly why or whether it was an amicable split or whether the, the player's bitter about it or whether it's any kind of negotiation process. All we hear is this person's no longer with Poker Stars. Well... Joe Cada let us in. He let us know what really happened and why he's not with PokerStars anymore. This is the 2009 main event winner, Joe Cada, and he also has won a bracelet recently, I think this year or last year. So he's been still relevant. He didn't just win one uh, main event, you know, Jerry Yang or Jamie Gold style and disappear. He's been playing. He's been doing well, but he's no longer with PokerStars. The real surprising part about that story is that Joe Cada is no longer, no longer with PokerStars because he demanded the very, very lucrative compensation of 
$1 million. And they said, no. They said, no, Joe Katie, you're not worth a million. I know Moneymaker and Raymer were worth a million at one point, but you're not worth a million. We're not giving it to you, and you're gone. But that's actually not what happened. He didn't ask for a million dollars. The amount of money Joe Kata asked for was... Zero point zero. I'm not even kidding. He asked for no money and just rake back, and they wouldn't give it to him. And he's angry about it, and he let Twitter know about it. So we'll talk about that as our lead story. Someone in the chat room says, I wonder why God hath forsaken Jerry Yang. (laughs) Yeah, Jerry Yang is broke. I mean, he was selling his bracelet. He made some bad investments. I mean, he's just... He's not in good shape. I think these guys already get out to a bad start because they have to give away so much of the money to the tax man, like about half of it. So you win $7 million, you actually end up giving about $3.5 million to the tax man. And $3.5 million is still a lot of money, but if you don't spend wisely, it can be gone real quickly, real quickly. Second PokerStar story. They have recently fired or released some affiliates and the affiliates are angry I was suspecting last week that Amaya the new PokerStars owners are going away from the affiliate model but that's actually not what's happening and PokerStars actually defends what they did and are explaining why they got rid of some of their affiliates third PokerStars story I always love playing videos on this show that's one of my favorite things to do here Some people have asked me before, do you enjoy doing this radio show, or is it like a chore for you? And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I enjoy it, sometimes it's a chore, sometimes it's in the middle. But I know everyone is counting on this show being here every week, and I show up for it, I do it whether I really feel like doing it or not, or whether I'm excited about the topics to talk about or not. But uh, one thing I really always enjoy doing is playing videos and stopping them and making comments during the videos. So tonight we're going to play the Poker Stars propaganda videos. There's two of them. And uh, talk about what Poker Stars is trying to get across in those videos and what the real story is. Finally, about Poker Stars, UK players, tomorrow was your deadline. Tomorrow you're going to be shut out of the site and you would not be able to play with anyone except for other UK players. Well, that's not happening anymore. There's been a delay. We'll talk about what's happened there. Finally, a story not about poker stars. Tom Dwan, Durr, has been dodging Jungle Man, Daniel Cates, for quite some time for this Durr challenge. If you remember, that was a challenge about uh, playing uh, very high stakes over a certain uh, number of hands. And whoever comes out ahead at the end uh, gets a gigantic prize. So uh, that's old news, the Durr Challenge. But what's also kind of old news is the fact that Tom Dwan has not been playing. He's been avoiding the Durr Challenge. He has not been finishing it up with Daniel Cates. Daniel Cates is beating him, and he's quit. He hasn't officially quit, but he has not been showing up. Now, the agreement regarding the Dura Challenge does have penalties for not showing up, and apparently Tom Dwan is not paying those either, and he's not explaining why. And we just have one very cryptic statement that he made a long time ago to Poker Fraud Alert member Seriously Serious that uh, I think the only person on earth, really, who knows why Tom Dwan claims 
he's not doing this anymore. He claims it's an issue with full tilt. We have an interesting guess about that, by the way, on our site, but one of our users will talk about that whole thing and what might be going on there. Last week, we talked about Ultimate Poker closing in New Jersey, and that's still happening. But there's been some speculation that Ultimate Poker is giving up. They're closing in New Jersey. Their only other site is in Nevada, and they're not doing well over there. So maybe it's time to throw in the towel. I mean, they've been firing pros like it's going out of style. William Reynolds was one of them, uh, and he fought with them last week. But it really looks like Ultimate Poker is circling the drain. But they put out a statement that they are not giving up. They're going to keep on keeping on in the Nevada market, and we'll talk a bit about that. Another Ultimate Poker topic, another pro has been fired. Jason Somerville could not come to terms with Ultimate Poker. It's not bitter, he says. He just said that, uh, the way he put it is, I'm not a cheap date. That's what Jason Somerville said. I'm not a cheap date, and they could not come up with a figure that he felt was enough to justify him remaining a pro on that site. Now, him not being a cheat date may actually disappoint some of our listeners who I know are uh, of the homosexual variety. Because, uh, Jason Somerville actually is one of the few out gay poker pros. And uh, I guess you've got to spend some money on Jason if you want to get him into bed. And that includes a poker site. So, Jason Somerville no longer with Ultimate Poker. Talk a bit about that. Last week, I played some calls I had with Dell regarding my personal information being stolen from their database and used to attempt to scam me. I have been trying to reach someone meaningful in Dell corporate, which is very tough. I have a challenge for you. Try to reach someone, anyone, any American employee of Dell. You can't. You can meet, You can reach some employees of Dell who don't work with uh, Dell home computers like you can reach with other departments that uh, have nothing to do with the computers that you and I buy from them but as far as anyone having to do with the department that sells home computers their biggest business you cannot reach anyone anyone in the US but I finally did I will tell you the update with the Dell situation and they are taking it seriously apparently they are trying to get to the bottom of what happened, even though I already know what happened. We haven't done many prank calls on this show recently. That was more of a thing we did on previous shows and on earlier versions of this show, but I know some people like them, and this won't be a poker-related prank call, and it may be lame because we're going to be calling something that probably gets a lot of prank calls, but there's a restaurant featured on Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, and... I don't even watch that show. It's very staged. A lot of it's very fake. But this was legitimately a restaurant that's run by complete psychos. And they're back in the news. The owner pulled a knife on one of the patrons there. Someone caught it and gave it to TMZ. So we're going to try to call them with a prank call. Probably won't last very long because I'm sure they get a lot of people bothering them over the phone. But we'll give it a shot. Always give things a shot here, even with a low chance of success. Finally, the editorial. With Ultimate Poker's failure and with the legalized online poker market in the U.S. just not doing very well, I have a simple suggestion for all 
future online poker sites, even the ones that exist right now. I'm talking about the legalized online poker sites that are trying to get going and get a player base and make a lot of money. My one suggestion is to ask the players what they want. And I will talk about that and what I mean by that in tonight's editorial. So that's our agenda this evening. If you don't like hearing about poker stars or ultimate poker, you probably won't enjoy this show. Once again, if you want to call in, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. That is our phone number. You can text that number as well. Let's see if we got any texts before I get everything going here. All right. This is from the 954 area code. Druff, what up, baby? The sauce holding down the fraud in the sunshine shape. It's the sunshine. That's hard to say. The sunshine state. There we go. Tongue twister there. Wanted to see if you could welcome home SMI Florida from his epic trip from the Bahamas, where he literally won so much money in roulette, he shut the lights off in the place. Love the show, Druff, and keep up the great work. Sauce. So that's from Hot Like Sauce, who was a regular listener to this show. And then disappeared for a while, so glad to hear he's back. And uh, SMI Florida, who donated to a free roll recently, good to hear that he made that money back many times over in the Bahamas and roulette. Though I would not suggest trying that again. You got lucky, but it's a negative expectation game, and you will eventually get beat there. I, I don't want to be a downer here, but you will. But I'm, I'm very glad you won. I'm very glad you shut the lights off there in the Bahamas. And just don't give it back see anything else nothing else so far 775-372-8355 is our text number so let's talk about Jokeda well Amaya Gaming is the new owner of PokerStars they purchased PokerStars pretty much so the Scheinbergs the old owners could get out of the business and PokerStars could move on to get itself licensed in the United States for legalized online poker because they realized that the Scheinberg still being involved was going to be a huge barrier to ever getting regulated and legalized in the U.S. And whatever shenanigans they would try to pull to pretend that Isai Scheinberg wasn't really in charge anymore, they, you know, the U.S. government was going to go for that. The state governments were not going to go for that. So they had to get the Scheinbergs out and actually sell. And they did. They sold it to Amaya Gaming. And at the time, I wondered, and many other people following this wondered, what changes would come to PokerStars? Did PokerStars need any change? Because PokerStars was a wildly successful company. They seemed to do so many things right. Why mess with success? But... Every time a company buys another company, they usually want to put their mark on it in some way. There's usually some things that they discover that they just don't like, even with successful companies. Now, sometimes when one company buys another, they ruin a very good brand. Other times they actually improve it, and other times they kind of just stay the same, even if they change a few minor things. Well, Amaya hasn't made radical changes yet, but where they are starting to make changes is in marketing. They already got rid of various pros, various sponsored pros, and I think that was smart. On August 16th, I announced that uh, Humberto Brenes 
and various other uh, poker stars pros were fired. So I agreed with that, actually. I think that pros who work for poker sites are not returning to the site the value of what they're being paid. They're just not. I think it's an antiquated model. I think it's a model that was never really that smart in the first place. I think it is smart to associate a very visible and well-known pro with your site. Phil Hellmuth, Daniel Negreanu, Phil Ivey. Those guys can be worth the money, even though you have to pay them a lot. But the lesser pros, the secondary pros, are not worth very much at all, if anything. Because most people don't recognize them. Very few people are going to sign up to the site just because some C-list pro is on the roster. And the people who know these pros, the other online poker grinders, well, they're not going to sign up because of which pros are representing a site. They just sign up to the site because they like the site itself. Or they like the games. Not because of some pro there. So I think it's an incorrect marketing model to have a lot of pros on your roster. So I think Amaya Gaming realized that, and they got rid of, this was last month, Nacho Barbero, Angel Guillen, and even Humberto Brenes, who is the best known of the three, but they figured, hey, who is Humberto really bringing in at this point? And he's also been declining in relevance. Similarly, Ultimate Poker, now, they, they're different than PokerStars in that they're actually losing money while PokerStars is making a lot of money, but Ultimate Poker dropped a lot of their name pros. William Reynolds, Jeremy Osmus, Brett Hanks, Phil Collins, and uh, now Jason Summerfield. Now, this is old news. What I've just been telling you, we talked about on the show a month and a half ago. So why am I repeating it? Well, Joe Cada is a lot bigger of a name than anyone I've mentioned here so far because not only did he win the World Series of Poker main event in 2009, but he also has had some success recently. Joe Cato was not a one-hit wonder. Joe Cato is still relevant today. So he won a bracelet this year in the 10K No Limit Hold'em six-handed. Of course, he won the main event for $8.5 million five years ago. He's generally respected as a very good tournament player. There are no scandals following Joe Cada. He's basically seen as a nice guy. He is 27 years old. In fact, he's not even 27. He's 26. He'll be 27 very soon. Uh, semi-charismatic. You know, a decent-looking guy in his 20s. You'd think he has some marketing value, right? It's not like some 60-year-old guy who they say, oh, no, one, no one's going to want to be like him. No one's going to look up to him. So, you know, screw it. This is someone who really fits the demographic they're trying to go for. So I think he really does have marketing value. There are some main event winners who have minimal marketing value. Guys like Jamie Gold, who have scandal following them. Guys like Jerry Yang, who are seen as uh, one-hit wonders that are not really respected very much for their play and haven't done anything since winning the World Series seven years ago. But Joe Cada 
he's semi-valuable. I say semi-valuable because he's not a Negranu. He's not a Hellmuth. He's not even a Phil Locke who's entertaining. Joe Kate is not entertaining. He's not memorable. He doesn't have an interesting personality. I'm not bashing the guy. He's just, he's just not that interesting. He's a good player. He's just not that interesting. But still, he has some value. Having the 2009 main event champion who just won another bracelet in 2014 on your roster of pros, on the site, who you can play against or watch playing, I, I think that has some value. Not a whole lot, but some value. So I didn't expect them to drop someone like Joe Kata, even though they're not in the U.S. market. And keep in mind, they may be in the U.S. market very soon, like in uh, New Jersey. They're said to enter the New Jersey market really, really soon. So I don't know if he would be representing the New Jersey market there. I don't know how it's going to be branded over there in New Jersey, but I assume he probably would be if he were still with them. But he's not anymore. Joe Cada has been fired from PokerStars. Not for doing anything wrong, not for any scandal, not for any misbehavior. They just didn't want him anymore. It's kind of like when you have a girlfriend that hasn't been mean to you, hasn't cheated on you, has pretty much done everything you've asked, but you just don't have interest in her anymore. And you have to make that tough phone call and say, you know what, I'm sorry, it's just not working out for me anymore. And it's hard to explain because, like, you kind of have your reasons you don't want to be with her anymore. You just don't have interest anymore, but you can't name a specific thing she did wrong to lose your interest. Hmm. Can't answer that. I actually can't blame that caller for calling me here because that's a, it's actually a, uh, a business call. It's not even a, an individual that I know. I know who it is. I know what it is calling me, but I can't take the call here on the show right now. I just, I hate the ringing phone in the background because it just, it makes the show sound like amateur hour. And the show already sounds enough like amateur hour as it is. I, I just don't like the ringing phone in the background. I, I want you to picture me in a beautiful radio studio. High on top of Mount Charleston. Not, not somewhere where my phone's going to ring. I guess my phone could ring anywhere. It's a cell phone. Anyway, back to Joe Kata. So, Joe Kata is no longer a PokerStars pro. They let him go. The question is why? Usually you do not get that answer. Pros just disappear, and you never find out the story. So, we did find out the story. Because Joe Kata himself gave us the story. Joe Kata let us know on Twitter that Poker Stars cut him loose despite asking for a salary that was 0.0. His offer to Poker Stars was give me no money. Buy me into zero tournaments, don't spend a penny on me, and in return, I won't spend a penny on you. So I'm going to play on your site, and any rake that I'm charged, please give back to me. So give me all my rake back, so I won't pay you anything, you won't pay me anything. It's a professional exchange, is what it's known as. 
I used to go to this video store in the 90s. You know, back when you actually would go to a video store to rent videotapes. And uh, I remember this was like a small video store. It wasn't Blockbuster or anything. And I remember seeing the owner of the Chinese store, the Chinese restaurant down the street, bringing Chinese food to the owner who would then give the owner some videotapes to rent. And they didn't exchange money. The understanding was, I bring you Chinese food for my restaurant, and you give me uh, videotapes to rent. A professional exchange. So that's what Joe Cato was proposing. He basically didn't want to pay to play on poker stars while representing them. He felt he shouldn't have to pay a company that he represents to play on there, but at the same time, he felt it was fine if they didn't pay him. And I thought that was a, a very good offer he made. I thought that was very fair. I thought that uh, it's really a good model to have for pros like Joe Cada, who have some but not a whole lot of value to them. But Poker Stars said no. They said, I'm sorry, Joe Cada. You are not worth $0.00 plus rake back. Yeah. And that surprised me. That surprised me. Now, I think the way Amaya was looking at it is that Joe Cada is a high-volume player on PokerStars. And he rakes a lot on there. And if they have to give him back all the money that he's raking, uh, they can end up paying him a lot of money. Tens of thousands, maybe even over 100000 depending on how much he rakes. And they don't think he's worth that. They're like, wait a minute, we actually have to give him back in cash whatever he rakes, rake we would have otherwise kept. Basically, he's paying us, and then we've got to pay him right back. We've got to reach into our pockets and pay him real cash money to keep him on as a pro. No way, he's not worth that. Goodbye. That's the way they thought. But I think there's a flaw in PokerStars thinking there. I think Poker Stars was looking at it the wrong way. I think they were looking at it from that point of view that he's going to rake there anyway. So any money they give back to him from the rake is real money out of their pocket. So, you know, if he rakes 90k and they have to give him back 90k, then that's equivalent to paying him a $90,000 salary, which he is not worth. So they said no, but that's the wrong way to look at it because there's a big difference between hard costs, and hard costs would be money you have to pay to third parties and simply rendering your own services for free. What is a hard cost? A hard cost is paying for his airfare to fly out to a tournament. A hard cost is giving him tournament buy-ins. Because, you know, that money gets added to the prize pool. A hard cost is paying him a salary, obviously. A hard cost is sending him gifts or merchandise. Anything that they have to shell money out for from their pocket to compensate him is a hard cost. And I can understand why they do not want hard costs for him, or at least not very much. But... Giving him 100% rake back is not a hard cost. 
That is simply letting him use their services for free. And I think their big mistake is looking at it from the perspective of, oh, he's going to play anyway, and he's going to rake so much, so who wants to give him that much money back? But that's an assumption that may not be true. After firing him, perhaps he won't still be playing on poker stars. Maybe he'll go elsewhere. Maybe he'll find another site to make him the site pro and give him 100% rake back, and we'll go there instead. So now poker stars will not have Joe Kata, and they'll be paying him the same thing as if he stayed. See, if he stays and rakes 90000 and they give it back, it's still a net zero because it costs just about nothing to have Joe Kata playing in their games. The only thing it really costs him is, um, you know, a, the only thing it really costs them is uh, you know, a tiny percentage of the server upkeep and paying employees and all that. But, but individually, he doesn't cost them anything. So I, I guess there, there is a little bit of a cost if they need to cash him out. But that's pretty much it. Other than that, they have no hard costs with him playing on the site. So while it might feel weird to hand him all this money back, he's handed you the money first. So it breaks even. I mean, think of it this way. If I go up to you and say, hey, hold this $100,000 for me. And you say, okay. And then two months later, I come to you and say, hey, um, you know that $100,000 you're holding? Give it back to me. Are you going to say, what? I'm not giving you $100,000. No. If you're an honest guy, you're going to give me the 100000 back. And you're not going to feel like you lost 100000 You're going to feel like you gave me 100000 that I gave you in the first place and you broke even. That's why you held it for me. Whereas if I just came up to you and said, hey, give me $100,000, you tell me, forget it. So Poker Stars needs to see it this way, that anything they're giving him in rake back is money he gave them in the first place, and they're pretty much holding it for him. They're just letting him play on the site for free, which doesn't cost them anything. And if they say no, then he might leave, and they might make zero from him anyway. It's not like this is guaranteed money. It's not like he's demanding retroactive rake back from all the years he's been playing there. He's asking for rake back from this point forward. Now, if Joe Cato was smarter, maybe he did say this, but if he was smarter, he would hold their feet to the fire and say, I'm not going to continue playing here if you don't give me 100% rake back. So not only am I going to quit being a pro, I will quit being a player. So you have two choices. Your choice can either be make zero off of me and I'll be your pro and we won't have to pay me, or make zero off of me and I'm gone from the site forever. Either way, you make zero off of me. So you could take my services for free or you can take nothing from me. But I I think they were just counting on that he's going to keep playing anyway. But comping automated electronic services, which is what STARS is doing, is one of the best things you can do as a professional trade because there's almost zero, zero real cost to that business. For one individual. And presumably they will gain a good deal with what they receive on the other end. Now this is different than someone, let's say, who is a uh, the face of a restaurant. And they say, hey, I want to be able to come in and eat for free every single day. And the restaurant says no. But that would make sense because the restaurant actually has to buy the food. The restaurant is serving him real food that costs real money. 
that they have to pay other companies to obtain. But here, PokerStars does not have that. They have a computer that runs itself. They pretty much don't have to lift a finger for him to be playing in their games. So unless they think he has zero value, they should give him this rake back. Now, let's say I came to PokerStars and said, hey, uh, I'm going to move to Canada, so I'd like you to make me a sponsored pro and give me 100% rake back. If I said that to PokerStars, their response would be... (laughs) And rightfully so. They'd say, what value are you? And I'd say, well, uh, I won a bracelet uh, nine years ago. And they'd say... And they'd be right, okay? But, but Joe Cada, he won the main event. He won a bracelet this year. He's worth rake back. Props to Joe Cada for coming out with this, too. He does hurt himself a little bit with getting sponsors from other sites, and that's why a lot of other players don't do this. But, but props to him for making this public and saying, hey, this doesn't make sense. Am I really worth... Nothing more than rakeback? Am I not even worth that? Not nothing more. Am I not even worth rakeback? That's what they're telling him. By the way, someone... uh, uh, Someone can't... (laughs) I'm getting a text during the show. They can't listen to the show. I was about to give them advice, but if you can't listen, I can't really give you advice. So... Hmm. I, I hate getting texts like that. Someone wants to listen and can't. Well, I guess I can download it. Anyway, I think Amaya made a mistake. Beer and Poker saying in the chat that I'm going to wait too too long to make the prank call. And then the restaurant will be closed. I think he's raising a good point here. Now, the restaurant's in Arizona, and they're in the same time zone as the Pacific time zone in the summer. So... It's only 7.13 there right now, so they're still going to be open for quite some time. But I, I will try to call them uh, you know, not at the very end of the show. You raise a good point. Beer and Poker also says in chat, the only marketability Joe Kata has is in America where nobody plays on PokerStars or can play on PokerStars. That's partially true, but he's still a main event winner, and that makes him marketable everywhere. As I said, he's not worth a whole lot at this point, but he's worth something. And keep in mind, PokerStars is entering the U.S. market very soon, very, very soon in New Jersey. And he's worth something there. He's worth something. I mean, just it's rake back. That's it. They're making it too complicated. It's very simple. He's saying, you won't pay me. I won't pay you. Let's cooperate. I'll promote you. You don't charge me to play there. Easy. Easy. It should have been. But I will say that Amaya is making the right decision for the rest of the lower name pros, the rest of the pros that aren't really pulling their weight as far as the value they're bringing to the site. I think Amaya is smart to eliminate that. I think it's a needless expenditure. I think that they have been auditing this. And if I were in charge, if I own PokerStars, I would do the same thing. I would start firing pros. I would start paring down the affiliates. I would really start changing these things myself. I've been saying these things for a long time myself. So I, I can't question what Amaya is doing, but this weird thing with the rake back, I think they're looking at it the wrong way. 
Anyway. Amaya is definitely making their mark, and they're trimming the fat. Though it's interesting that Amaya will not acknowledge, hey, we're doing things differently now because we're different owners. They, they really are keeping away from that. They're really trying to make it seem like this has nothing to do with the new ownership. They've even said that before. Oh, no, 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 we're not, fo- we're not firing these pros because we're the no- new owners. It just, uh, it's just time to go in a different direction. It just, just happens to be right when we take over. It's not, though. It's definitely them going on a new marketing strategy in some of these areas, and they're right. Crypt wants to know, who is Amaya? And he wants to see pictures of her. It's <laughs> no. a good question. I, I never looked at Amaya. She may actually be hot, and uh, I've been missing the opportunity to talk about that. Alrighty, next Poker Stars topic. Enough about Joe Cade. I've talked that one to death. Poker Stars is defending the release of various affiliates. Now, what do I mean by affiliates? Well, I go way, way back in online poker. I first deposited onto an online poker site in February 2001. Just a month after I started playing poker. I, I played my first hand of poker in January 2001. In February, I said, hey, I should try this online thing I'm hearing about. So I put some money onto Planet Poker. And back then, there was no rake back. There were no affiliates. You would just go directly to planetpoker.com, and uh, you would get no rake back. It was just uh, very straightforward. Well, I, I believe Party Poker, who really started gaining steam later in 2001... I think they were the ones who first came up with the affiliate model where they were giving websites a piece of the action, a piece of the rake generated by whoever they referred to the site. Now, at this time, there was still no rake back. The affiliates were making a fortune. Think of all the rake back you would get when you would be playing on sites like Party Poker and Poker Stars and whatever. Think of all the rake back you made over time. Can you imagine back then the affiliates were keeping all of it? You weren't getting any of it. They were getting your you know, 40% or whatever. Well, pretty soon the word got out about how much these affiliates are making and they were competing with each other big time. And they discovered that the way they can get customers over other affiliates is to offer some of this money back to the players. Didn't take a genius to figure that out. And they started giving more and more back to the players until the model became give back most of what you make to the players and keep just a small percentage. Some affiliates are only clearing you know, 3% and giving 35% back to the player. But they were still happy with that. They could still make a lot of money off of an active player. So that was the affiliate model, and it persisted for years and years all the way to this day, 13 years later. And still, there is the affiliate model where poker sites are paying third-party websites to refer players there. Sometimes they're paying per player who signs up, and sometimes they're paying a percentage of the rake. I'm not going to get into all that and which is better and 
there's a lot of drama in the affiliate world. It's, it's like a whole different world there, the affiliate world. You wouldn't believe it if you knew about it. I mean, it's, it's crazy, the affiliate world. A lot of money in it, too. That's one thing I regret never getting into. But I have felt for a long time that the whole affiliate thing is flawed. Back in 2001, Party Poker needed these affiliates to get the word out. Most people didn't know about online poker. Most people did not think about playing online poker. Party Poker did not quite have the budget yet to advertise in the mainstream media to get poker players. And they said, hey, this sounds like a good idea. We'll get others on the web to advertise for us, and then they'll just keep a percentage of whatever rate gets generated by the people they bring in. It seemed to make sense. But once you become a huge site, you don't need that type of advertisement anymore. Um, You don't see Coca-Cola giving companies who advertise Coke a percentage of every can of Coke they sell. They pay them a flat rate for advertising, and that's it. Sometimes a company can become so big and so much of a monopoly, they don't even have to advertise. For example, how much do you see Microsoft advertising? Not very much. A little bit, but not very much. Anyway, the affiliate market, the the affiliate model, just doesn't make sense today, especially for a site like PokerStars. If you want to play online poker, you probably know about PokerStars. And if you don't, you'll find it very quickly when you Google it. When you Google online poker, you'll find PokerStars very quickly. These affiliates are making way more money now than they deserve. What became even more ridiculous, and this didn't apply to PokerStars, was how to get rake back, you had to go through an affiliate. So you couldn't just go directly to the site and say, hey, I hear this rake back here, can you give it to me? A few sites would do it. Most of them said, no, you have to go through an affiliate. So it was so stupid. Like, you'd have to seek out an affiliate just to get rake back, which is violating the whole affiliate concept. The point of the affiliates was to advertise and bring in new players, not to be a useless middleman that someone has to go through when they really want to go to the site directly. So with that little rant about affiliates, it looks like Amaya generally agreed with me in that they felt that the affiliate model needed some reform. But they didn't agree with me as much as I thought. I thought that they just realized that the affiliates are a waste of money and they were just going to get rid of just about all of them. That's not what is happening here, apparently. PokerStars has been firing what they call the unproductive affiliates. The affiliates that are no longer bringing in a lot of new players to PokerStars. It doesn't really matter what they've done in the past, but if you just, if you haven't, um, if you have not brought in a lot of players in recent times, then PokerStars does not want you as an affiliate anymore. That's what they're doing here. They're not just getting rid of all affiliates. If you're still bringing in a lot of players to them, uh, they are still happy with you and you're still going to make a lot of money from PokerStars and they're not going to fire you, apparently. But PokerStars has decided that if you're not performing right now at the moment, then they don't want you anymore. Then they're breaking up with you. What's up, girl? Hey, what's up, girl? You 
nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately? <laughs> That's what Poker Star is saying. Uh, you thought the 80s were over after the first four minutes of the show. You're wrong. The 80s are back. Yep, that's what PokerStars is saying to the affiliates. What have you done for me lately? And if you haven't done anything for them lately, then you are not going to be an affiliate for PokerStars anymore. Here's what PokerStars had to say to FleshDraw.net, to reporter Haley Hintz, who always does a great job on stories like these. This is what PokerStars said to her. PokerStars has agreements with thousands of third-party websites, thousands, also known as affiliates, to market our services to new players and encourage them to play at PokerStars. PokerStars routinely reviews its agreements with these affiliates to ensure that they are productive for the company. Earlier this week, PokerStars ended the agreements with a very small number of affiliates who were not recruiting many new players and who were doing very little active promotion of our services. Yeah, so that's what they're saying here is we don't care what you've done in the past. If you're just going to sit on your ass and leave your website basically untouched and you're not promoting everything PokerStars has to offer and you're not promoting PokerStars' new innovations and their, their new promotions, and if you're not actively trying to get players into PokerStars, you're just sitting on your ass and hoping people stumble upon your website when they Google PokerStars affiliate code or whatever, the PokerStars bonus code. I think that's what you... You Google and come up with these affiliate names. Um, because this, this is the way the affiliates get credit a lot of times is uh, people go sign up for PokerStars and it says enter bonus code if you have one. Well, of course you're going to want to enter one. Like, like everyone's going to go to Google at that point and say PokerStars bonus code. And then it comes up and then you enter one of these affiliates codes. And that, I, I always thought that was stupid. That's like, again, violating the whole concept of the affiliate thing. But anyway, they don't want the affiliates that are doing nothing to promote PokerStars and are just leeching off the system and are basically picking up a few players by luck through a Google search. They want only the affiliates that are actually actively trying to promote PokerStars. So they're still okay with having affiliates, but the affiliates have to be working hard. It's kind of like being in a relationship. I keep using this analogy about relationships somehow, but... It's kind of like being in a relationship and your girlfriend dumping you because you don't try anymore. You uh, you don't do anything nice for her anymore. You don't ever listen to her. You don't spend time with her. Uh, you stop working out and your stomach gets fat. And your girlfriend's like, you're not trying anymore. You're, you're just going through the motions now because you have me already. And you know what? You're gone. I'm going to go be with a guy who tries. That's basically what uh, PokerStars is saying here. And some of the affiliates are pretty angry about this because they feel that they have done a lot for PokerStars in the past and the PokerStars owes them some leeway here. Now, what about the other side of this argument? Well... There's an affiliate, what's his name here, Martin Sanermo, and uh, he owns Poker.org, 
pretty tough domain to get, poker.org. I wonder what he paid for that. Anyway, it's a Swedish-based affiliate, and they were fired by PokerStars. Sonormo said, We were not given a single warning. Furthermore, although we did not send them tons of players, I highly doubt that there are thousands of affiliates who are doing better. The only thing I can take from this is that if you get a substantial amount of players and down the road for whatever reason don't send as many, they will terminate your account. No warnings given. In other words, if your old players to new players ratio is not satisfying them, you're out. Remember remember this next time you're trying to make a commitment with PokerStars. Well, I think he's exaggerating here. I, I don't think he made a commitment to PokerStars. And what commitment did he make? He set up a web page and put a bonus code up there? Maybe he did some SEO work. It's not a commitment. He made a lot of money off PokerStars through Poker.org. But he does bring up an interesting point, saying that he doesn't believe that thousands of affiliates are outperforming him, and they're probably not. And he thinks that they're judging him on a ratio of what they used to bring in versus what they bring in currently. And that probably is how PokerStars is judging the affiliates figuring that if you brought in a ton of people in the past and now are bringing in a much smaller percentage compared to what other sites used to do, that you must have given up promoting them and that you're probably just resting on their laurels and doing nothing to promote them and basically just getting Google traffic. And they don't want that. Even if you're bringing in more players than some smaller affiliates who are trying, they want to see you trying. They want to see you actively promoting. And if you just happen to have a good Google rank, they don't want you. But I understand Perkazar's point there. You know, I, I understand why they don't want Google leeches getting a piece of the action. And he says no warning. Well, what would a warning do? So they temporarily promote poker stars again just to go through the motions and then let this happen again later? I can see why poker stars drop companies like that. So that's what happened. PokerStars also terminated uh, a shady affiliate known as Best Odds Corporation. Daniel Moravec is the owner of that, and he was known as an aggressive affiliate, meaning that uh, he did some shady things to... uh, get players over other affiliates from what I've been reading. So apparently PokerStars got rid of him too. Uh, I guess PokerStars doesn't want you if you're either just resting on your laurels and living off of past Google glory or if you are engaging in shady tactics to get players over there trying to uh, basically steal them from other affiliates in some ways. He was terminated for, quote, predatory reasons. Yes, there's predatory affiliates out there. It's a crazy world out there. So, if you're one of these affiliates that just thinks you can sit there and let the PokerStars money roll in, think again. Got a text message here from Gayju Magoo. He says, these are my playoff baseball predictions. Jeez. You know, he's Gage, he's Gage Magoo, so he says predictions. 
Very funny. He is very pro-California. And keep in mind, Geiju Magoo lives in Vegas. So he's not a California homer. But Vegas is very similar to California in many ways. It's very close to California, of course. 40 miles from California. So he predicts that it will be Final Four, Giants and Dodgers, and A's versus Angels. I don't think that'll happen, but possible. I don't see the Giants beating both Pittsburgh and Washington, especially Washington. Washington's a tough team because they have a lot of good pitchers. There's a lot of tough pitchers on that team. The Giants are just a flawed team. They were good enough to squeak into the wild card, but they had a number of losing months. They had a number of slumps. They, they're just a flawed team. They're not a bad team, but they're just not that great. I don't see them beating a team like Washington. I think the Dodgers will beat the Cardinals in the first round. I think Washington will roll over whoever wins that wild card. Dodgers and Washington, I don't know. It's two good pitching teams against each other. Or at least the Dodgers have uh, two really good starters, and beyond that, not so good. But in the Dodgers' defense, their top two starters are better than the top two starters of Washington by far. Next Poker Star story. Oh, S. Double just mentioned to me that Geiju Magoo is a tool. The A's play the Angels in the divisional series, so having them face each other in the NLCS is impossible. (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't even think of that. I was just reading, and I was like, yeah, wait a minute. He's right. <laughs> so I guess, I guess it's not possible for those to be the final four. Oh, I, I see Gage Umagoo, he uh, corrected himself before I got that message from S-Double. So I, at least he caught himself here. I'll give him that. Yeah, A's and Angels are going to play in the uh, ALDS. They cannot play in the ALCS. It's the ALDS, which comes first. All righty. So you're confusing me now. Yeah, and I, I said NLCS, I meant ALCS. I'm sure you guys caught that too. You guys have to understand, I know I've said this before, but you have to understand I have a lot going on here when I do the show. I have to think of the next thing to say. I don't have a co-host here tonight. I have to read the chat room. I have to read my text messages. I have to operate the technical side of the show. I have to run whatever sound effect I want to run out there. It's tough, I tell you. It's actually a lot tougher for me to do this show than it is for radio professionals who go into a studio and have everything done for them. This is one of the tougher things to do, a live show where you're controlling everything. No editing, no one helping you. You're interacting with people live. Not easy. So that's why you have 
mistakes like that. Sometimes I'll be distracted and I'll say something stupid. All right, so Poker Stars, let's continue talking about them. S Double, by the way, said he loves me. That's nice. That's sweet. Poker Stars released two propaganda videos. And I'm going to play them here. And I will pause them. Give me a little bit of a break as I listen. It would have been nice if I prepared the videos before the show, but I can't do that. Where did I put those? Uh, I could have sworn I posted about them on my site. <laughs> I'm trying to find them on my own site, and I can't. So let me, uh, let me go find them on another site. Sorry about that, people. I was sure I had them on Poker Fraud Alert. I think I just imagined that I posted about them. Like, I remember seeing these videos, and, like, I got to post these on Poker Fraud Alert, and I thought I remembered posting them on Poker Fraud Alert, and I can't find them. Kind of embarrassing. Anyway, here we go. Inside Poker Stars. So it's not showing the Isle of Man where uh, Poker Stars is located. It's showing boats in a harbor, birds flying by for some reason. You know, because you you want to play on Poker Stars because there's seagulls flying over their headquarters. Oh, I'm James Hart again. I'm in the Isle of Man outside the head office of Poker Stars, the world's largest poker site. Now, every year, the support team at Poker Stars receives thousands of emails asking questions about how the site operates. Now, James Hart again. Uh, he's standing in a suit without a tie. It kind of looks like a suit, maybe a sport jacket. And he's standing in front of the headquarters, which is very. Um, uh, nondescript looking, and it's a brick building with some windows and a big glass door. And what I noticed about James Hartigan is he seems rather short. I cannot tell for sure because there's nobody standing next to him, but he has the look of someone who's about 5 feet 4 inches and has um, his hair sticking up to make himself look taller. You know how some short guys do that? They they tease their hair upwards so they appear to be 5 foot 6 or 5 foot 7. So... Um, well, James Hartigan is a fairly good-looking chap. He's also on the short side, from what I can tell here. That just jumps out at me in this video. I, I, I don't care how tall James Hartigan is, but uh, that's what I see right away. That this guy is short, and he's teasing his hair upwards. Well, we've decided to create a short series of videos answering some of the most frequently asked questions. Basically, I'm going to put your queries to the people who work here. Your queries. So... Uh, I don't know if Dell paid them anything, but they do. They have a shot right after that of a woman, very stern-faced woman, working in the poker store's office with a big Dell logo on the monitor that you see from the angle that they shoot her at work. They probably called up Dell and said, "Hey, would you like to be a part of this video?" And somebody says, "Oh, oh yes, yes. We will send you twenty monitors if you put us in this video. Thank you very much." We thought we'd start by taking an overview of PokerStars and finding out exactly what kind of company it is. So he's walking through this, like, cubicle farm, basically. He's walking through this big room with a ton of cubicles. The only thing interesting about it is there's, like, a glass door with the PokerStars logo on it. Like, it's a frosted glass door where the only part you can see through is the PokerStars spade. 
I'm going to talk to Eric Holreiser, head of corporate communications. Okay, go in there and talk to Eric Holreiser. He actually knocks on the door. Like, you know, why are you knocking on the door? Eric Holreiser knows you're coming in for the video. This is all staged. He's ready for you. He knows what you're going to ask him. He's prepared his answers. Why would you knock on the door like, oh, I'm coming in to, I'm coming in to ask you some questions? Knock, knock, Eric. Just me and the camera coming in for some candid questions. Pokestar started as a startup company and grew very this is rapidly Eric Holreiser. from just a few employees and a great idea to 1,700 people around the world mm. who are experts in marketing, that are experts in poker, that are experts in technology. <laughs> the expert in technology, they show a woman on a large cordless phone that looks like it's from 1988. Experts in technology. And in iGaming. And there's always been a, a focus on customer service. And that customer service focus has been rewarded by having very, very loyal customers. We have at PokerStars alone over 65. Now, for some reason, they show there. And by the way, they're right. The customer service is excellent there. There's no question. Uh, the, my only problem with PokerStars customer service is that once they've made a decision about something, they get really pig-headed. Like you deal with intelligent people. You get good answers to your questions. You basically, uh, even though you can't speak to them on the phone by email, very good email customer service. But once they've made a weird or bad decision about something, there's like no appealing it. Like you appeal it, you get nowhere. And if something ever goes wrong with like a live tournament they're running, you're, you're also going to get screwed. They, they never fix their own mistakes. They fix their own mistakes very poorly or not at all. But other than that, their customer service is very good. But I, I don't want to rant about them here. I want to uh, play this video. But for some reason, they show Talon Chick playing. They, they love this shot of Talon Chick in her home, uh, sitting in like an easy chair, playing four screens of poker. And she's sitting there like with jeans and not wearing any shoes. She's like sitting there barefoot in jeans and playing on poker. They love to use that shot everywhere. They love Talon Chick for some reason. Five million registered players. So the success of the company is really built on delivering a product and delivering a service that poker players want and love. What do you think sets PokerStars apart from its competitors in the industry? It's that focus on delivering a superior customer service and a fabulous product. That gets, again, rewarded by players who want more of it, who tell their friends. And it's really been a successful word-of-mouth business from the beginning, as well as really smart marketing. That <laughs> So uh, he's right about that part. The software is the best. I always thought PokerStars had the best software by far, even better than Full Tilt. And I thought their marketing was pretty good. Uh, when he says smart marketing, they show this funny thing of Negranu, Liv Bori, and Elki walking through this kind of weird alley in Europe, kind of like in a kind of a stupid looking, almost like the way the full tilt guys used to walk when they were together, like this arrogant uh, puff your chest out, walk down the hall thing. So they're showing that. It must have been part of a commercial. Made a promise that we could deliver on, and that is the kind of opportunities that players are looking for at all levels of expertise. And since its inception, what new areas has the company expanded into? We've branched out as a sort of function of growth to delivering some of the best live product. Our live events are among the most prestigious in the world. We also are... Yeah, yeah. you branched out to live products. Let's talk about your live product. You mean the 
EPT Barcelona where people break into hotel rooms and steal laptops and install Trojans on them and then you help the security who is in on it cover the whole thing up, that live product? Or how about in the Bahamas when you screw up the uh, um, you know, some of your tournaments, like your, your Zoom poker tournaments and other ones like that, and uh, people end up losing money from it because you make rules that favor certain players over others, and then you don't compensate people fairly. Is that the live product you're bragging about? Truthfully, the live product has not had good customer service. The live product... While they've been successful financially, uh, customer service-wise has been a disaster. Anytime there's a problem there, there's no one intelligent around to deal with it. They make dumb decisions. There's never anyone in power to overrule the stupidity that's going on or the, uh, the unfairness that's occurring, or in the case of Barcelona, the criminal actions that are occurring. And uh, players get railroaded, or whale-woaded, depending on who they are. And... It's just a, it's run a lot of messes with the live product they're talking about. I actually said they should send someone to every major live event they have who is empowered and intelligent and can prevent situations like this from occurring. But they have not done that. So I that's one thing I don't agree with. Their live product is not very good. But uh, they're they've made a lot of money from it. But they've customer service wise done very poorly, and players have gotten screwed there. But uh, online, they've, they've done a great job, no question. A huge provider of poker programming, both online and on television. Obviously, for the majority of PokerStars existence, the Isle of Man has been its home. Where else in the world does it operate? Well, we're headquartered here in the Isle of Man. It's where our senior executive team is and where our global license sits. We have major offices throughout the world, in London, in Australia, in Costa Rica, throughout Western Europe. And those offices are largely marketing services. <laughs> they show, they show a, uh, a wall that is apparently the PokerStars office where they have clocks showing what time it is in all the different places where they have offices. Costa Rica, server time, Isle of Man. I don't know what server time is. It looks like it's an hour before Costa Rica, wherever that is. But server time is before Costa Rica. Maybe that maybe they make it like East Coast U.S. server time. I don't know what they call server time. But uh, anyway, server time they have down there. Isle of Man time, Central Europe, and Sydney. So they're showing clocks on the wall, like you'll see in the airport. Services and customer service support offices. We have a tremendous emphasis on customer support in 29 languages, 24-7. So we can deliver kind of around-the-clock, follow-the-sun customer support comparable to you know, any high-service uh, company or industry in the world. Where do you think PokerStars sits in the wider gaming industry right now? PokerStars has always been a leader in gaming. Yeah, that's a dumb question. That's a dumb Do you think PokerStars is number one or number two or below? Oh, number one? Like, that's a dumb question, where they sit. You ask that to a neutral person. If you want to ask me, hey, Todd, where do you think PokerStars sits as far as the online gaming industry goes? And if I say, hey, they're on top, then you know that I'm sincere. You know that I have no reason to kiss ass to poker stars. You know I have no reason to claim they're on top. But you don't ask an employee of the company. What's he going to say? No, I think party poker is better. <laughs> and, and we've... It's not even a valuable question. Like the other questions were valuable. Like uh, where do you have offices? Uh, why do people play on poker stars? What are the strengths of the company? Obviously, the guy's going to pump up the own, his own company. Obviously, he's going to say good things about poker stars, but at least you're getting information here. Where does poker stars sit 
as far as ranking in the industry? What's the guy going to say? Done that by being innovative, by not being afraid of doing what we think is in the best interest of the player and providing a really compelling player experience. As a result of that, we are, you know, I think recognized as one of the best and one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. And it's a, it's a reputation that we take um, very seriously and, and something that we want to you know, continue to strive to improve upon and to lead the pack in so many ways, in, in, in ways that we've done already in terms of player fund protection and game integrity and security and making sure that players can have confidence playing on our sites. See, that's one problem with poker stars. What he's saying is actually true. They take their reputation extremely seriously, and sometimes that means covering problems up because they would rather cover it up than admit there was a problem and compensate people because by compensating people, you admit you messed up, and then that makes some people lose faith in the product. So what they prefer to do when they screw things up, especially in live events, is just uh, sweep it under the rug and do the minimum and make excuses. So that's one unfortunate side effect of having a big and good reputation to protect. And we'll continue to do that as we grow and as we expand into yeah, I bet you you know, different games. If you had to look into your crystal ball and try and predict your the future, crystal where ball. do you see the future for PokerStars? Um, I, I think PokerStars is going to crash and burn. I, I think the company is circling the drain. I think we're going to become... Uh, we're going to bring up the rear behind ultimate poker. What's he going to say here? Come on. It's like seeing the whole cards. I don't think I can do that, but I can tell you that we'll... Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that a dig on, uh, on UB? I can't see the whole cards? We'll be at the forefront of the industry. We'll be pushing ourselves further. We'll be pushing the industry further and looking to enhance the experience, working with players working with local governments as we see the move toward increased regulation and making sure that the playing experience, not just on our sites, but throughout the industry, is one that players can have confidence in and that um, we know is, is protecting the vulnerable. Now, what he's trying to say here, that, like, that was a bunch of nonsense. What he tried to say is Poker Stars is trying to get legalized and regulated in as many places as possible including the U.S., including the U.K., including Mexico. We're trying not to just be a site with gray or black legality. We're actually trying to be legalized, regulated, and cooperate with governments around the globe. We're trying just to not exist because they can't stop us, but actually exist with their blessing. That's what he's trying to say. Eric, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Now uh, they're walking out of Eric's office. Insight into the world of poker stars. Thank you for watching. Well, if you have a question for me to put to the people at PokerStars, please send it over. Do you want to know how PokerStars online festivals are scheduled? Maybe you scheduled. want to know who designs the chips at live events, or how VIP club live nights are put together. I don't want to know who designs the chips at live events. I want to know why you're returning to have a live event after people broke into rooms of poker players and stole their laptops and tampered with their laptops and, and why security at these live events covered it up and why poker stars helped them cover it up and why poker stars is coming back there without anything changing and without giving anyone any insur assurance that anything's any different. That's what I want to know. This guy wants to answer who designed the chips. Tell me, what do you care about more at EPT Barcelona? 
people breaking into your room again and tampering with your laptop and putting key loggers on your computer and putting on spyware that they can view your screen? Or who designed the chips at the table? Email me at inside at pokerstars.com and I'll do my best to get you an answer. I'll get you an answer if it's a trivial question that will not cause any sort of controversy and will fit very well into a propaganda video. Okay, so here's part two of the PokerStars propaganda video. Same guy. This is about your money on PokerStars. This is PokerStars basically saying we're not full tilt. We own full tilt now, but we're not old full tilt. We're not UB. We actually have your money. This is the attempt to assure you that your money is safe. Which, by the way, I believe it actually is. I don't doubt that. Oh, more... This is different. Different Isle of Man views this time. Same nondescript office building. Hello, I'm James Hartigan, and I'm at the PokerStars head office on the Isle of Man, getting answers to your questions. We're addressing some of the common concerns voiced by PokerStars players around the world, including this question. What does PokerStars do with my money? Well, let's ask Donna Krellin, Director of Treasury. Director of Treasury. So, Donna, when a player makes a deposit on PokerStars, where does the money actually go? The first thing we do is segregate the money. What I mean by that is we make sure that it goes into separate bank accounts so it's not mixed up with the company. Yeah, what we do here is we, um, we don't take the Howard Letter and uh, Ray Bittar approach, and uh, what we do is we take the money and put it in a different bank account and say, ah, 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 you can't touch that. You can't uh, use that for distributions for your ownership and say, oh, no one's going to be cashing out all at once, so they're never going to know the difference. We don't do that over here. We actually hold your money, and we don't steal it. It's a novel concept. We are a poker site who does not steal your money. When it says you have money on the site, we have the money to give you if you want it. We don't just pretend we have the money and put a number on your screen that represents your money while actually not having it, or actually having it in our hip pockets that you have no access to. Companies, operational funds, or their working capital. So we put it into specially set up accounts that are segregated. Now, this is weird. This woman's in the middle of talking, and she's talking to James Hardigan here having a nice conversation about your money. All of a sudden, you're kicked out of her office. You're booted out of Donna's office, and you're outside of her office now looking in. You're looking at the nameplate on her door, Donna Krellin, and you're looking through a tiny window and seeing her talk to James. So it's like, we're talking about your money, but you're not allowed to be in here. We're kicking you out. Get out of here. Get out of here, player. You don't get to know where your money is. You, you sit outside while the grown-ups talk. ...from that operational money... I noticed that you say accounts, plural. Those funds are... Yes, um, I said accounts, plural, because um, there's more than one player account on PokerStars. Um, I know it's a surprise to you, but um, yeah, we, we have uh, more than one player on the site. But between banks, because we wouldn't want to have all of the money with one bank. I mean, I think we've all learned a lot since 2008, so it's important for us that we're not exposed to the risk of any one bank. Obviously, PokerStars has a lot of overhead, a lot of operational expenditure. Is there ever a temptation that, oh, we've got a big marketing campaign coming up, maybe we could 
borrowed from the players' money? Oh, yes, yes. Um, we actually got some advice from Chris Ferguson uh, after he left Phil Tilt. He said this completely kosher to do so and he said look at me I'm, I'm walking around Las Vegas I'm eating Chinese food no, nothing's happened to me they didn't take my money I'm, I'm um, walking around just fine yeah, they don't respect me too much anymore but I kept all the money I didn't go to jail so it, it's just jolly good to do that no, never. Um, it's obviously part of our licence um, that we keep those funds separate, um, which is, of course, very important. But also, before the regulation, we had our funds... <laughs> James Hardigan's nodding his head, like, oh, interesting. Mm, I didn't know that. I, I thought you may have been dipping into the marketing funds. Thank you. Thank you, Donna, for telling me this. The, wait, who's this guy? Get him out of our office. Get him out of here. Segregated anyway. We do reconcile the account daily to make sure we always have enough. And it's the first thing we do every day. And for my team, it's the most important thing. One of the first things I noticed when I came to work for PokerStars is how important the players are. Wait, hold on a second. You're telling me every morning when Donna comes in that she says, well, yesterday we were in the, uh, in the block by um, um, $100 million, but I think that just in case between when I went home at 5 p.m. last night and 8 a.m. this morning, perhaps the 100000 100 million were in the black is um, gone away somehow. I need to make sure that our funds are still there. Oh, they're there. Okay, very good. <laughs> Every morning they check that they have enough operational funds. I highly doubt that. I do believe that PokerStars segregates the money. I do believe that PokerStars has all the money to cash us out if uh, we all had to cash out at once. I mean, they did it once for all the U.S. players. They paid us very fast. They really had the money. I believe they have the money. I believe they are segregating the money. But they're not checking every day that they have enough money to operate with. That's just something they say so the players feel good. Obviously, this video, James Hardigan did not really have a concern that PokerStars was dipping into the player money for marketing. Obviously, they staged these questions very carefully to mimic what a player might want to know and to assure them we're not stealing your money. To everybody in the company, and that certainly carries through to looking after the player funds. So because of the nature of the player's money being held in a separate account, does that mean it's always available if the player wants to cash out? No, no, no. Um, it's usually available, but we have these weird rules. Like, let me tell you something that happened a long time ago. Actually, it wasn't too long ago. It was a few years ago. But um, we had a player on here whose name was Reggie Man. He used to own the Donk Down website. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, Reggie Man staked a lot of different people on PokerStars to play tournaments. And we said, oh, Reggie Man, we appreciate you giving your hard-earned money to our other players who can't afford to play these tournaments, and, and this way we make rake from them, and we're very happy with you doing that. But then one of your players named Brad L. actually won a lot of money in a tournament. He won $500,000, and uh, by the staking agreement, Brad L. had to send half of that to Regiman. So Regiman had 250000 Well, you would have thought that here in PokerStars that Regiman could get his 250000 but we actually told Regiman, you haven't been playing on the site enough, and we don't let you cash it out. And Regiman said, no, but I've been staking the people who have been playing on your site. And they said, no, we don't care about that. Um, you have to rake a, an obscene number of hands to be able to cash out your money. We told Regiman that, and we're very proud of that. And that's, uh, that's the PokerStars uh, customer service that we're proud of. Yep, we always have funds available, um, liquid cash every day, so that um, we're always able to meet the demands of the players. Thank you very much, Donna. Well, hopefully that's answered your questions. I just noticed something. Donna is sitting there with a big 
orange cup of coffee and a glass of water next to her. She's got coffee and water. So, like, if Donna is not feeling awake enough to check that the money's all still there, she can take a sip of the coffee. But if she's just feeling that thirst, she can drink the water. She has water and coffee. That's how seriously she takes her job. Now, James, he just has water in front of him. Keep in mind this interview lasted two and a half minutes, but you know, if, if they needed that coffee to keep awake or they needed to drink that water to hydrate during those two and a half minutes they're asking these uh, questions and answering them, uh, they had it available. Thank you very much for watching. So what would you like me to find out about on your behalf? Are you interested in how PokerStars promotions are put together? Are you interested in why people staking one another cannot cash out their money when someone finally hits a score? Are you interested in wondering why PokerStars is willing to keep the rake money of horses that you stake, but when that horse actually hits something, we won't let you cash it out? If so, email inside at PokerStars.com. How PokerStars hosts are trained to oversee online deal negotiations? Or how EPT dealers are picked to attend the tour? Send me your question to inside at pokerstars.com. We pick EPT dealers by finding out uh, if they are willing to take a side job with uh, breaking into rooms and stealing laptops. So if you have any expertise in addition to your dealing expertise, if you, if you know how to break into hotel rooms, if you know how to quickly install keyloggers or spyware onto laptops, if you know how to get past laptop passwords. Uh, these are all valuable skills if you're good at surveillance and being able to tell when a, a player leaves his room for a while. Um, this is a very good skill to have and you can go work for the EPT. Uh, email us inside at pokerstars.com. I'll do my best to get you an answer. An answer. <laughs> so that's the propaganda video there. Someone named Mudbutt, I hate to say that name on this show, Mudbutt is saying he won the poker tournament last year and last last week, not last year, and he wants the money to go towards tonight's tournament. That's not really fair as the tournament started 20 minutes ago, but uh, Mudbutt, please PM me on the site, not on the chat room, but like actually on the forum, and or email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and tell me how much you won, and... Uh, just remind me so I know to put it on next week. Thank you. Anyway. Obviously these videos were produced so new players to PokerStars can feel better. They can feel like they know the company a little bit better. They can feel like uh, they understand why PokerStars is an industry leader. They feel like they can trust PokerStars. They could feel like their money is safe. And I admit, you know, if I show this to someone who is very new to the world of poker, the world of online poker, at least they might be impressed by this. But anybody who has any knowledge of the industry just sees this as a lot of fluff. And uh, obviously we didn't really learn anything from it. But it's important to take away that PokerStars is trustworthy, in my opinion, for the most part. But they are all about themselves. They're not about you as the player. PokerStars is a very selfish company. Anything they do that's, quote, the right thing is for PR purposes, for marketing purposes. They don't do it because it's the right thing. And we've seen that time and time again. That doesn't mean you can't trust them. It just means they think of themselves first and you as a very distant second. They'll never admit that, but it's the truth. All right, finally, and then we'll move past poker stars. Finally, uh, the, um, 
hour and a half into the show. Poker stars, as alluded to by this Eric whatever in the first video, they're trying to get themselves licensed and regulated around the world. They're no longer satisfied just being a company that runs afoul of the law or a company that runs without the permission of various jurisdictions that would rather they're not there. So whenever a jurisdiction expresses some concern that PokerStars is operating without a license, PokerStars tries to work with them to get a license. That's smart. Well, the UK apparently wants PokerStars to segregate its players to get licensed there. We mentioned that last week. And last week it was said that as of October 1st, tomorrow, that UK players will have to play on their own UK version of PokerStars, fenced away from the rest of the world. Well, guess what? You have a reprieve of a month. The new date is now November 1st. So if you enjoy playing the fish in other countries and you don't want to just be stuck with other UK players, good news, you have a month before the inevitable occurs. Why that happened, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, that's what has been done. So just letting you know that, you have another month there before uh, the hammer comes down on you and you're forced to play only against other UK people. Lord of the Fraud is asking, has another poker site operated better? Oh, this is interesting. I think I was wrong. I'm being told it's not ring-fenced in the UK. Well, then what are they doing? That's what I always thought this was about. I know that they changed it. Let me go take a look at this. Have I been wrong about this the whole way? Kind of embarrassing, if true. I need a fact-checker, I think. I do have a fact-checker. I mean, I guess it was KevMath who first brought this up that uh, I was incorrect about the ring-fencing. For UK players. Uh, let me see here. Let me look at a news story about this. Um, that is a long article. I don't know. Maybe someone in the chat room can help me here. I hate to give out wrong information. UK accounts will be financially seg- segregated. Oh, I see. Uh, so uh, KevMath gave me a fact on the PokerStars website. Thank you, KevMath. KevMath is so knowledgeable about this stuff. It says, you'll still be able to access the same great games and tournaments. You'll be able to play against the same players as you did on PokerStars. The player pool will not change. What changes will I experience? Very few. You'll be required to review and accept the updated terms and conditions. Well, who cares then? All you're doing is updating the terms and conditions and privacy policy? Who cares? I mean, nobody reads that stuff anyway. When's the last time you ever read a terms and conditions of a poker site? I'm sure never. If I ran one of these poker sites, I think I'd like bury in there somewhere that you have to give me your firstborn. I bet everyone would agree. I bet I could like adopt everyone's kids. I probably wouldn't want to, but I could. I could take your son from you. And I would have you agreeing to that in the TNC. 
I'd make like a 60-page long TNC. In fact, I'd hire someone like Ken Scaler to like write this ridiculously long TNC that's just like really, really boring, really, really redundant. Something you're never going to get through and then just bury like on page 33. Something about like within five days of opening an account and funding it for real money, you agree to provide Todd Dandruff would tell us with rights of adoption to your firstborn son or daughter. That'd be funny. If I ever own a poker site, I'm going to do that. You'll never know. You'll, you'll never know because nobody reads the TNC. Nobody. Anyway, this is a dumb story then. Like, who cares? Who cares when this happens? I have some different taxes, but who cares? I, I thought that they were going to be fencing them off. That'd be interesting. Oh, I guess the auto reload button will be disabled. For UK players, apparently uh, that's a big thing to the UK. Uh, the Brits over there do not like the auto reload button. They think somehow that uh, leads to problem gambling. <laughs> yeah, but okay, if you play online poker, you can lose all the money you want. We don't care, but you better not auto reload. You have to do it manually. It's important if you're going to lose your house, you have to lose it manually, not automatically. You have to understand, okay, I'm going to reload again because I'm a degenerate gambler, not just because the computer does it by itself. Ah, jolly good. Sounds like a good law to me. Oh, let's update the terms and conditions as well. Because everyone reads those. Stupid. Yeah, yeah, the UK people in the chat are making fun of me, saying, yeah, at least we can gamble. Ah, good point. I guess I guess your country is ahead of mine in uh, licensing online gambling. That is true. That is true. All right, so I guess they're not fencing away the players. I'm sorry for saying that. Sorry for having wrong information. If this were not a live show, then I could go back and edit it and make it seem like I never made this mistake in the first place. Of course, I'd have to edit last week's too, but I could do that too. Of course, if this were not a live show, then I probably would not have anyone correcting me right away that I put out disinformation. So I guess I was kind of screwed either way. All right, enough with poker stars. Let's read some text messages. Let's read some text messages. Jeez. Uh, this is again from Gay Jew Magoo. Jew deal of the day update. Despite the low price, reviewers say that Marty talks the whole time while sucking cock, which leads to scrape and bite marks on the cock, signed Gay Jew Mag- I have no idea what that means. For the 209 area code, I love how you speak the damn truth. I love it too when I do, but apparently this last segment I did not speak the truth. It's not until Kev Math corrected me. And I got a tweet from Shiz Money, Sean is Money. That tweet says, oh, he's just quoting what I said on the show about the firstborn. That really would be funny, though, if they embedded just really stupid things in the TNC to see who's really reading it. I had a science teacher play a joke on the class like this once, but it wasn't really a joke because everyone got an F. This is what happened. Uh, the science teacher, this is my 8th grade science teacher, he knew that students, when they would do these chemistry labs, would 
not follow the instruction that you have to read through the entire lab instructions before starting. So he says you have to do this, but like nobody actually does it. So first lab of the year, you have all these instructions of get out the equipment, clean the equipment, rearrange the equipment, like all this stuff. You're actually doing chores for the teacher. They're cleaning everything and get everything ready. You get to the last instruction. Have you read everything and done nothing yet? If so, then turn in this paper blank. So we get to this last question. We're like, what the hell? Well, we did do everything. So we wrote in, no, we actually did everything already. So we get back our lab with an F. Guys next to us, F. People next to us, F. F, 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 all around. Everybody got an F. I, I think like one group of students caught it in the middle and stopped in the middle and they got a C. And he said, well, you all got an F because you're supposed to read it all the way through first. And the proof of whether you read it all the way through is if you actually did all this stuff uh, prior to getting to the end and seeing that you weren't supposed to do any of this. So we cleaned all the equipment for nothing and got an F. It was pretty, pretty bad. What was pretty ridiculous is that F actually counted in your overall score for the semester. So you had to like work up from that F. So like on the next test, if you got 100%, uh, you'd only you'd still have like a C in the class. And then you would had to work out from there. It was very hard to get back to an A after starting off with an F. It's like really, really hard. It's like having a huge loss in poker and then having to play like 10 sessions to come back from that one loss. But even worse, because you can't have like a, like a huge A. Because like an A and an F average together to be a C. So you need a lot of A's to negate an F. So I was really pissed off about that. It actually, I, I didn't even get an A in that class for that reason. It was only eighth grade. It didn't matter, but it still pissed me off. But I, I think the T and C should be like that, where they just insert all these stupid things in there and see whoever catches it. See if one person even catches it. How long would it be till one person catches it? Like, PokerStar has like millions of players. Of those millions of players, and they all had to sign the new TNC, if it was like a 60-page TNC, would a single player of the like 3 million players catch like the funny stuff you put in there? Or would no one catch it? I wouldn't be surprised if not a single person caught it. Be a good experiment, good social experiment. I always thought there should be a legal limit on the length of a terms and conditions. You should not be forced to agree to something that's unnecessarily long to read. Because, like, what if they made it a thousand pages? Then what do you do? What do you do then? So, I, I think it's just dumb. Okay, no more poker stars. I'm tired of talking about them. Next on the agenda, Tom Dwan. Tom Dwan had the Dura Challenge. Now, it's been so long since the Dura Challenge was initiated, I forgot all the details. <laughs> That's how long it's been. Uh, let me refresh my memory on this for a second. I just realized this like before the segment. I, I don't know the full details of the Dirt Challenge, but basically, um, here it is. 
they it's been over three years. In fact, it's been over four years now since uh, the second Dur Challenge began, where basically anyone gets to play Tom Dwan heads up, and they have to play fifty thousand hands heads up at two hundred, four hundred, no limit. And uh, there's some sort of bet about who's ahead at the end for a lot of money, like a million bucks or something. Maybe someone in the chat room could tell me exactly what it is. And I see One Step shows up. One Step, this is like Pavlov's dog. Like you mentioned Tom Dwan and One Step's like right here. Bang, he's in the chat. I, I don't know how he hears it. It's like a disturbance in the force. It's like he's sitting there in his apartment in Brooklyn and he has no interest in the show anymore. And then he feels a disturbance in the forest that Tom Dwan is being discussed and he's like right here. He's got to hear about it. Well, I hate to tell you one step, but Tom Dwan, I'm not going to speak very positively about him in this segment. But anyway, uh, Daniel Cage Jungle Man took him up on this and they played a lot. They played... Over 20,000 hands, but aren't close to completing the 50,000 yet. Uh, Daniel Cates is up, I think, almost 1.5 million. Yeah, it is. It's another 1.5 million. 1.5 million is what uh, the loser has to pay after the 50,000 hands. And I guess it's 1.5 million to 500,000, so it's not even even. It's if uh, Dwan wins, he would get 500k. If uh, Cates wins, he gets 1.5 million above whatever he was up during those 50,000 hands. Well, Daniel Cates is killing him so far. He's up by almost 1.5 million. Uh, they haven't even completed half the hands yet. And Durer apparently does not have much money anymore, according to many sources. Now, he's playing these huge games in Macau, but... Apparently he's being staked there to do that. But no one wants to stake him to play Daniel Cates, who's a very tough player. Whereas in Macau you have a lot of these uh, businessmen who are really rich and don't play very well. So people are willing to stake Durer to play those games, but not to play a really good player like uh, Daniel Cates heads up. So I, I think Tom Dwan is in this spot where he does not have the money to continue this and doesn't want to admit it. So what he should do is say, hey, look, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm busto now. I can't continue anymore and try to work something out with Daniel Cates. Unfortunately, what he's doing is dodging Daniel Cates. And not only is he not completing the challenge, but he's not paying the various fines that he is expected to pay for... basically uh, not showing up to these challenges because there is a term that you have to pay a fine if uh, you dodge the opponent. Basically, it's a fine for not getting the thing done quickly. So whoever is the one preventing the other from playing is going to have to pay a fine. And these fines keep adding up over time. And apparently Durr is not paying these fines 
and Durr is uh, now incurring the wrath of many people who think that he's being very dishonest about this. There's a 2 plus 2 thread called, Is Tom Dwan a Scammer? And I don't think he's a scammer. I don't think he set out to scam anyone. But the thread actually does bring up a good point. That Tom Dwan has been dodging Daniel Cates and he's not paying the fines. And it's time for Tom Dwan to come forward and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm quitting the challenge and we'll have to work something out as far as what I owe you. Or if I ever make the money back, I'll pay you such and such. But Durr is just avoiding him, apparently. Durr is just dodging him. Now, Durr said a while ago that he is not doing the Durr challenge anymore. He's not continuing it because of an issue he has with Full Tilt. That's where the challenge was to take place. He has a big issue with Full Tilt and for that reason can't continue playing. He will not say what that issue is. He said he'll elaborate later and never did. He told Seriously Serious, who is a member, an active member of this site and a frequent listener to this show, but Seriously Serious was sworn to secrecy and being a good, trustworthy guy, Seriously Serious has not told anyone, myself included. I'd love to know, but the truth is even if he told me, I could not reveal it. So I don't know, though. I have no idea what this big issue is with Full Tilt. Now, one of the users of our site, Bukowski72, speculated, and I think this is a good guess, that when Durr was a pro and part owner of Full Tilt, that when the Durr challenge began, that they agreed to cover all or some of his losses in the event that he loses. So the Durr challenge was pretty much a free roll for him. So it makes it look like Tom Dwan will take on all comers and doesn't care, when in reality, he's being backed by house money. I'm not saying this is necessarily true. I'm saying this is what Bukowski is speculating. And perhaps since Full Tilt got bought by poker stars, that they don't want to do this anymore. That they say, no, we're, we're not... The old Full Tilt may have agreed to this, but we don't agree with the new Full Tilt, so forget it. We're not backing you on this. You're on your own. And that would explain why Tom Dwan doesn't play him anymore. That would explain why Tom Dwan has, quote, a big issue with Full Tilt. He did say that the issue has nothing to do with cheating, but that he has a really big issue. And Seriously Serious said, I can't say what it is, but if it's true, it's very serious. Well, this all fits. If Tom Dwan only did this because Full Tilt was backing him, and then the new Full Tilt will not keep to that original agreement, yeah, that's a problem. But then he needs to come out and say that. He needs to say, look, it was a marketing gimmick. Look, I did this with the promise from Full Tilt that they were going to back this. And Poker Stars, by buying Full Tilt, really it should be their responsibility to keep up with this promise. They've bought the brand. They've bought kind of the liability here. And if they can't keep it, then I can't keep it. I'm sorry. And it's understandable if that's the situation. But he should not be hiding. He should not be hiding. Whatever the situation is, he should not be hiding. 
By the way, congratulations to Lou Father for winning the bounty for knocking out Hockey Guy in the tournament. He said he'd make a public statement very soon after that interview. It's been many months since then. He never made a public statement. One step, what do you have, what do you have to say about this? First, turn off the radio. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, um, so I just have two things to say. Um, number one, uh, you know that uh, Michael Brown's memorial got run over the past week? No. Okay. Yeah, someone someone actually just like drove right over it. Do you know where the driver was? I hate to ask. Who was it? Tony Stewart. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, second thing is, um, yeah, do you know what what Kate should have taken his payment for his debts? Ah, oh, jeez. I think I already know, but go ahead and tell me. Weekly blowjobs. I knew. That's what I, 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 I knew that's what he would have done. You know. Um, who would All be right, giving? Oh, no, hold on. Who would be getting the blowjobs? Would it be Tom Juan or or Kate? Or Kate. Uh, he hangs out. He does. He leaves me hanging here. He says he would take weekly blowjobs as payment, but it could go either way. It could be that he wants to give them to Duan, or maybe Duan wants to give them to him. Like some people enjoy giving, some enjoy receiving, some enjoy both. So, like one step suggests this, what Duan could do in lieu of payment to Kate, and that doesn't elaborate on it. That's not very nice. Anyway, whatever the story is, Dwan needs to face up to it. He needs to stop hiding from this. He needs to just tell the truth and then work out from there. But as time passes while he's hiding from Daniel Cates and hiding from the Dirt Challenge, these fines that they agreed to are adding up. And... If it was a verbal agreement, this is what Blue Odom is saying in chat, uh, the old owners should be on the hook, not the new owners. Well, the problem is the old owners were on the hook for a lot of things, including all our money, and they couldn't pay. They blew all the money. Now, in the perfect world, uh, you'd reach into Howard Lederer's bank account for this, but uh, you know that's not going to happen. But I think that if this was a real agreement, poker stars should just own up to it and take it. When you're buying the brand, you buy the brand's liabilities. And uh, Daniel Coleman weighed in on this and posted on 2 Plus 2, I would for sure say he's scamming Jungle Man, so yeah, he's a scammer. It's not even up to debate as to whether Durr is a dirtbag with a gambling problem. That's what he wrote on 2 Plus 2. I don't think too highly of Coleman and the type of stuff that he says and writes, but I agree that Durr is in the wrong here. I would say he's a scammer, but I would say he's welching on a bet. And I would say that he's avoiding responsibility, even if it's not 100% his fault. Let's say I was in this spot. Let's say it really was that he was promised all or some of the money back from Full Tilt when he started this thing. And then it's not being honored anymore. So let's say they offered this to me back then. Let's say they said, hey, Todd, challenge all comers at Limit Hold'em Heads Up, and we will cover your losses. Play 1,000, 2,000 Limit Hold'em Heads Up, 
for 50,000 hands, and uh, if you lose, we will cover it. It's a free roll for you. So I, I'd come out there and say, okay, who wants to play me heads up and limit hold them? I can beat anyone here. Has to be 1,000, 2,000 for 50,000 hands. And I, I get someone playing me. I play 20,000 hands. I get my ass beat for 1.5 million. And then it turns out that uh, because the site being bought by new owners, because the previous owners were shady and blew all the money, that the new owners don't want to honor this anymore. What do I do? Do I pay out of my own pocket? No. Because it was promised to me from the company I was representing that they were covering this behind the scenes. So if the company would not continue to back me like they had promised, I would come out, I would come forward, I would name names. I would say, look, even if it's a little bit embarrassing, I'd say, look, here's the truth. I would not have made this challenge because I really could not afford to lose that type of crazy money. I did it because I was getting the backing of the site I was representing. It was kind of a marketing gimmick. And now it backfired because now they don't want to cover it anymore. And for that reason, I would not have played. I could not afford to have played this if they were not covering it. So if you want the money, go after them. They promised me, go after them. Even if I did not have it in writing, I would say, this person told me, ask him, I would pre- I'd present anything I had as proof, any emails, anything I could possibly come up with as proof. I'd name names. I would come forward with a story, and I think if I were to be forthcoming and honest about it, that even without direct proof, the community would probably believe me. The community is pretty good at being able to tell the difference between a liar and a bullshitter in situations like these. Now, of course, this may not be what's going on. We're really stretching to guess this here, but it could be. There's a good guess here that this is what it is. Whatever it is, Tom Dwan needs to come out and tell the truth and explain what's happening, explain why he's dodging Kate's, explain why he's not doing the Dirt Challenge, explain what his issue is with Full Tilt that's preventing this. Hiding is wrong. Now, some people are saying Jungle Man won almost 1.5 million, so what's he bitching about? Well, that's immaterial. He could have easily been down at this point. He's up 1.5 million because he ran better and maybe played better. But they had an agreement. There are certain terms that Durr has not kept up to. And Durr needs to address that. Now, one step says in chat, he agrees with me. He says, I agree with you. Tom Dwan definitely needs to come out. (laughs) Guess I was asking for that comment. All right. Let's talk about Ultimate Poker a bit. Now, Ultimate Poker closed their New Jersey operations because... uh, they were having disagreements with the Trump, who was the casino they were associated with there. And, uh, you know, the Trump declared bankruptcy. And this is really just an excuse for Ultimate Poker to get out of the New Jersey market because they were getting clobbered there by party poker. 
and by WSOB.com. So basically they said, well, Trump has been breaching it in various ways, which I'm sure they were. So we're out of here. We're breaking the agreement and we're closing shop. They did not want to continue running this losing operation in New Jersey. And they had all the reason in the world to break the contract because it had already been breached by the other side. So fine. Some people were worried that Ultimate Poker was going to be dead because the only thing they have left is the Nevada site, which just is not doing very well. How poorly are they doing? Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look right now. I'm, I'm booting up the Ultimate Poker client as we speak. And let me see. So I'm looking at Limit Hold'em right now, Ultimate Poker. This is the Nevada Nevada Ultimate Poker. And I'm scrolling down. I'm looking at all the Limit Hold'em games running. Here is the total of Limit Hold'em players currently logged into Ultimate Poker. Zero point zero. Yep, zero people sitting at any limit of Limit Hold'em. All right, let's scroll down. We're talking about 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. 8.30 p.m. Nevada time right now. People have come home from work. This is a prime time for poker. Like, you look on poker stars, this is like when you see, or at least back in the old days when U.S. players could play on poker stars, it would be like the number one time for people to be on. To have the most players on always around like 8 o'clock Pacific time. Because everyone's home. People at the West Coast are home. People on the East Coast are home. Everyone's home and still awake. So zero players in Limit Hold'em. Let's look at No Limit Hold'em, a more popular game. Maybe it's doing better. Let's see. I'm looking at 2-5 No Limit, 5-10 No Limit, and 10-20 No Limit. Let's uh, tally up the number of players currently on Ultimate Poker at those limits. Zero point zero. Uh, that's not good. Alrighty, let's look at 1-2 No Limit Hold'em. Ah, I found a game. Six people are playing 1-2 No Limit Hold'em. Good job, Ultimate Poker. The big game running right now is 1-2 No Limit Hold'em. Six people. Great job. Thriving site you have there. What about 50 Cent a Dollar, the second biggest game running? You've got seven people playing that. What about 25 cent, 50 cent? Now, there we're starting to pick up some players. Now we've got nine people with two on the waiting list. Good job. 10 cent, 25 cent. Would you believe there's actually two active tables going with nine players each? That's 18 players. All right. And 5 cent, 10 cent. People who aspire to one day play the nosebleed limits of 1-2. Got nine of those players. And 1 cent, 2 cent. We've got uh, 16 players at the moment. And that's it. That's it for all the Hold'em. Nothing above 1-2. And a few tables running below that at micro limits. That's all they got. That was loud. Sorry about that. I thought I had the sound turned down. Looking at Omaha. There's a few PLO games running. 
no Omaha 8, but there's a three-player 1-2 PLO running. There's a nine-player 50-cent dollar PLO running, and that's it. Or I guess there's also a 5-cent, 10-cent PLO with nine players. That's it. No more. That's it. That's the entire cash game population of Ultimate Poker right now at 8.30 p.m. I mean, that's a joke. This has been up for a year. A year and a half, actually. And this is what they've uh, come up with? That's really bad. That is really bad. So... This is a fail site. I mean, there's no question. If you looked at about 3 in the morning, it would be like zeros all the way down almost. So people are very concerned that they're going to fall by the wayside in Nevada as well. But Ultimate Poker is fighting back. Ultimate Poker is saying that uh, they're going to keep strong in Nevada. Chairman Tom Breitling said to PokerFuse, Ultimate Gaming will continue to focus on improving its online poker product and overall customer experience in Nevada. They're going to be, and then uh, sources at Ultimate Poker said that they're going to be releasing another version of its online poker client. Maybe this time the button exploit will no longer exist. (laughs) And uh, also they're going to have a client that has iOS and mobile support in the near future. Tom Brightley also said we're going to continue to conduct live events at station casinos and Peppermill properties. Great. I'm sure everyone's excited about that. And uh, in the meantime, they're firing more pros and trying to keep their heads above water. I think Ultimate Poker is trying to hold off until California legalizes online poker. I think that's what they're waiting for. They don't want to completely lose relevance. They don't want to shut down completely and be considered a a failure and a non-entity. They want to have an actively running room so when California legalizes online poker, then they can become a skin for uh, one of the rooms in California and succeed there with a much bigger population. I think Ultimate Poker is saying, hey, even with our incompetence, even with our propensity to fail, California has such a big population, even we have to succeed there. So I think they just want to stay alive until then. It's kind of like being at a tournament and you're you're about to bust, but you're like, I'm going to nurse this short stack until the bubble, and then I'll ship it in at the bubble. I think they're going to ship it in at the bubble when California legalizes online poker. That's when they're going to really make the push, and if they fail there, they're going to give up. They didn't say that, but that's just my assumption. They're just kind of treading water until California makes it legal. So uh, there's also the matter that they put a lot of money and time into this product. And while they've bailed out of New Jersey... Like, it isn't that expensive to continue running at this point. 
they had a lot of upfront cost, but to continue running, they're still losing money, but it's not the, the bulk of the expense has already been paid. So they don't want to waste it all. They don't want to put all this time, money, and effort into this and, and then just give up and run away before more states than Nevada, New Jersey, and Delaware legalize it. Now, Nevada has an agreement with Delaware to pool their players, but that's not going to mean anything because Delaware is so tiny. It's going to really not have any noticeable effect. So, we will see. Ultimate Poker really needs to do something different. I've said that over and over. They need to shake it up. They can't stay the course. They're staying the course is what they've been doing. They can't stay the course. They're going to just go down the drain. I'll put this offer out there again for anyone listening who might work for Ultimate Poker. And I know some Ultimate Poker employees do sometimes listen to this show. I bet I could partially turn it around for you. I don't think I could bring you on top at this point, but I could partially turn it around. There are many things I could do, many ideas I have that would revive your site somewhat. If you want to hire me, I'm here. If you don't, good luck. By the way, there's uh, 60,000 players on PokerStars currently. Compare that to what... uh, Ultimate Poker has right now and uh, not very impressive impressive for Poker Stars though it's because they have a director of treasury that's why well Jason Somerville speaking of Ultimate Poker is the latest Ultimate Poker pro to have been fired now he wasn't fired in a bad way he wasn't uh canned because he did anything wrong he's just gone because they could not come to terms Jason Somerville said that he's not a cheap date that's actually what he said he's not a cheap date (laughs) so he left he's gone and uh Jason Somerville, in case you're forgetting, is one of the few well-known, or semi-well-known at least, gay poker pros. For whatever reason, poker does not have very many out gay people who are visible in poker. There just aren't. I'm sure there's a lot more gay people in poker than we are seeing. I think there's a lot of gay, closeted poker players. I'm not sure why. It's not even like the ones who have come out have had any kind of bad things happen to them or they've been harassed about it. Like they, They've been received pretty well, everyone who's come out as gay. Like You have the really obvious ones like Vanessa Selbst. But uh, I, I think for men it's a little bit harder to come out, you know, society-wise. But uh, Jason Somerville did come out. I think about two years ago. And uh, F5 Poker, they had to make a little quip about that. It says, rumor, Jason Somerville out at Ultimate Poker. I'm sure that wasn't a coincidence. But uh, he is gone. 
He did quit Ultimate Poker. And apparently it's just because they couldn't come to terms with money. They just had different figures, what they were willing to pay him and what uh, he was wanting to take. This is what Jason Somerville said about it. He said this to uh, F5 Poker. He said things had to change. He said there was no animosity, no screaming, no yelling. It wasn't like talking to my mother circa 2002. Hmm. It's too bad he doesn't get along with his mother or didn't. I'm not a cheap date. I didn't want to take whatever, so we had to do what we had to do. So apparently, you know, uh, they must have come to him and said, look, we're out of New Jersey. We're not doing very well in Nevada. We're losing tons of money. We can't continue to pay you very much. So if you want to stay on for a reduced rate, you can. Otherwise, goodbye. And he said, all right, well, I'm not staying on as a cut rate pro, so goodbye. And that was that. And I'm sure it was a civil conversation. I'm sure they just laid it out to him and said, hey, Jason, we'd love to pay you more. We can't afford it at this point. We can give you a token amount of money, but this is all we can afford now. If not, no hard feelings, but, you know, this is what we're offering, and we hope you understand. And he probably said, yeah, sure, I understand. You can't afford to pay me anymore. I understand the New Jersey thing, and all right, fine, bye. So he's gone. He's no longer a pro there. And I wonder if they're going to eventually get rid of all of the pros there, except for Antonio Esfandiari, who is rumored to own a piece of Ultimate Poker. That's the rumor. So he may not be able to leave without selling his piece, which may not be worth very much anymore. He did say, the Somerville, said, I'm very grateful to Ultimate Poker for everything we've ever done together. And he said that he's leaving the door and several other orifices wide open for the chance to return to Ultimate in the near future. (laughs) Okay, not the orifices part, but he did say he's leaving the door wide open. I I think when you're an openly gay poker player, especially a gay male poker player, you just shouldn't use terms like leaving the door wide open. You shouldn't use the term wide open ever. So... Anyway, no more Jason Somerville. Let's see, who do they have left there? They have Daniel Anderson and uh, who else? <laughs> I mean, they're they're almost down to nobody. Let's go there. Let's go to their site, ultimatepoker.com. Take a look at their pros. See if he's still on there, too. Uh, let's see. Here, Team U. Antonio, Daniel Anderson, Dan O'Brien, that's it. So yeah, they're, they're down to three. And then there were three. I think O'Brien and Anderson are next to have their necks in the guillotine. I think me versus you is going to be gone. That's their little web series. 
I know it's going to disappoint a lot of view bots out there. I know there's a lot of view bots who love that series. A lot of automated programs that love watching me versus you. They'll be very disappointed when that's over. But for the rest of us, we'll do just fine without it. Ultimate Poker really cutting down the expense here. Someone's suggesting that Jason Somerville should call himself Jay Smooth. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's just because he's gay doesn't mean he has to call himself something like that. He can be a masculine gay guy. We actually have uh, several gay listeners in this show, and I, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that we have a diverse listening audience. We really do. We have a audience of various sexual preferences. We have an audience of various ages, various races. Various political affiliations And I think that's good I think that's good that uh, We can all band together To have an interest in, in poker And more specifically Talking about shady things Happening in poker or things happening in poker That just shouldn't be And that we can all get together With this common interest of ours No matter what differences we have In the rest of our lives Well, I'll tell you something else that's going on in the rest of my life, and that's Dell. I received last week my first computer scam call. Everybody else seemed to be getting them except for me, but you know, you get the call from some Indian or Filipino person saying that they've been monitoring your computer and they see hackers have access to your computer and if you pay them 400 bucks that they'll they'll get the hackers off your system or they'll they'll get the viruses off your system they usually say they're calling from microsoft well that's not what i got those microsoft calls they just call random phone numbers and hope the person doesn't ask too many questions about you know knowing who they are but i got a call from dell which wasn't really dell i got a call from fake dell and the person pretending that they had been monitoring my computer from Dell and that they found a two-pronged attack against my computer that uh, resulted in uh, my computer being vulnerable to hackers and just for $400 I could have them fix it. Uh, here was the beginning of that call. I'm not going to play the Yeah, game. you are right. I do have a Dell notebook. So Now, what have you seen these hackers doing to my computer? Well, they are actually, you know, right now just sitting over there, and they're trying to actually break, break through the network over there. That's all we see. We can see more once we, you know, uh, ask you to turn your computer on, you know, and we can actually tell you and show you the files. I mean, there's a whole bunch of files. Huge. You know, and then and there are so many of them. It's, it's like a two-pronged attack. You know? The two-pronged attack. So that's that's what they tried to tell me. What surprised me though was that they had my information. They didn't have my address, but they had my full name. They had my email address. They had my home phone number. They had my Dell service tag number, which nobody has except for me and Dell. They had my Dell customer number, and they even knew about a real service call I had made to Dell. Several months ago. So this disturbed me 
to realize that Dell had either sold or more likely had my information stolen from their servers and that they were trying to use this information to scam me. That information Dell should have been protecting has been stolen by their probably their foreign call center reps or someone working on their network and sold to some other Indians to try to scam me. So I was pissed off about this and I made a big deal about it on Twitter and emailed Michael Dell and I, I tried to get their attention about this and I tried to really get their attention by telling them that I've been in the mass media before involving scams on the internet. Talking, of course, about the AP and UB scams where I appeared on 60 Minutes and CNBC, the Washington Post, and I, I tried to use that to my advantage to get a little more attention from them and have them take me more seriously. Basically, I was threatening, you better deal with me here. If you just brush me aside, I'm going to take this to the media and this will be worked out in the media. So it was really, really hard to get to someone in the U.S. Actually impossible. They really, really shield you from speaking to anyone at their U.S. headquarters in Austin, Texas. But uh, after speaking to uh, someone in the executive office who's still in India, they eventually put me in touch with an investigator. This is only after I threatened to go to the media and convinced them I really would and could. They had an investigator from the Austin office call me. And for the first time, I actually got them to admit that, yes, it's likely the information was stolen because these Indians were denying it. No, 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 Dell does never give your information. No, 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 no. No, we keep your information very, very secure. Very, very, very secure, my friend. We, we will never give that out to anyone. There is no way your information is given out. It, 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 just, it just happens somehow. We do not know how it happened, but we did not give out your info, and our employees did not steal the info. It is very, very secure, my friend. But that wasn't true. There's only two parties who had the information, me and Dell. So if it didn't come from me, and it didn't, it came from them. So I got the person in Austin to acknowledge that it likely came from them. They likely have some kind of breach. They acknowledged this to me. They asked me to send them a recording of that call. I did send it to them. They are currently investigating it. They're going to get back to me, and I will let you know as this progresses what they came up with. And... I'm going to press this really hard. I'm not just doing this to be a pain in the ass. I actually, number one, I I want to see them stop this so other people don't get victimized this way because many people who get called with this are going to believe it because they have the Dell service tag number. They have all this information that makes it seem like they're really Dell. It's different than like a cold call where the person doesn't know your name or what kind of of computer you have or any other information, and and most people will figure out that that's BS. When someone's called saying they're from Dell and has all the Dell-relevant information about your computer, then it does seem like they're the real thing. So let's try to make a few calls here. I'm going to try to call again this scammer phone number at uh, dellsoftwarehelp.com, which is the scammer's... uh, Website, dellsoftwarehelp.com. I'm going to try that. They didn't answer last week, but we'll try this week. If we don't get them, then we're going to try to call this uh, restaurant in Arizona that I promised you about, which has nothing to do with this, but might be funny anyway. Hello. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I got a call here about uh, my computer. 
uh, having some kind of hacker thing or something. And uh, I, I was told to call this here phone number. Right. Who called you? Name of the name? Oh no, I don't remember no name. It's some, some Indian guy or something. But I, he said there's some hackers. He left me a message. He said, "Yeah, you gotta call, go go on this there uh, DaleSoftwareHelp.com and uh, call the number." And I, I done did, did that. And uh, it, he's saying in this voicemail to me that I got them hackers on my on my computer, and I I, I can't have that because I got a list of all my cattle and sheep here. And it's a very important list that this is running my whole farm, basically. And if, if the hackers steal that or mess it up, then my farm's going to plunge into chaos. It'd be like a, a tornado hidden here. So I need I need to have this fixed. And, and uh, uh, can you help me with that? All right, absolutely. We will be able to help you. All right. Uh, before I proceed on the call, may I take down your name, please? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name is Wes Albright. Wes Albright? Yeah, sure. And what is the service tag off your computer? Well, I, I don't know nothing about no service tag. I just know that my, they tell me my, my computer ain't working too well. I don't even know what a service tag is. When did you get the call, if you can tell me? I, I got that, their call, uh, I think it was this morning, and I, I was out there. You know, my I, Okay, what happened here is my, my my main bull here, all right, my main bull was having trouble. Um, I think you got the – I think I think uh, somebody called you by a mistake. We do not have any customer by this thing. Sorry. You don't have any – well, you, you don't want me to be a customer? I thought you do all software help here. That's correct. I do not find anybody's name by this person. But what, what, what I'm trying to say here, what do you mean you don't find them? It says on your website, for support, call this phone number. And I call it. It says you guys help fix problems. Now, I get a call from your, your phone number, and I'm calling you back, and you don't want to help me. I don't get that. Sir, we, didn't, we did not call you. Well, okay, forget if you call me or not. Do you, help, do you fix them, their computers, or not? I'm sorry, sir. No. So you, why, you, well, you don't? Why won't you fix my computer? I want you to fix my computer. I'm willing to pay you to fix my damn computer. Why won't you fix my damn computer? I thought he says you fix Dell Software. DellSoftwareHelp.com says you're going to fix my computer if it needs some software help. Ain't that right, sir? Yeah. We. This is the number premium number only for selected customers. Well, I want to. I want to pay the premium. You, you cannot pay. I want to pay that there premium. Yeah, we will not be able to. Well, why not? not be able to accept that hey, look, I pay y'all double. I want you to get the damn virus off my computer, and ain't no one wants to do it for me. All right, can I take control of your computer right now? Yeah, sure. You can do whatever the hell you want. Just get this damn thing off here. Hot damn! All right, I'll do so. Are you in front of your computer right now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, can you pull up the, for the remote? I need to take remote control, so can you go ahead and go to the website, www.ammyy.com? Well, hang on here. www.ampm.com? I, I don't want to have no soda here. What? I'll, I'll spell this to you. It's A as in Alpha, uh-huh. M as in Mike, M as in Mike, Y as in Yankee, Y as in Yankee.com. All right. Oh, it's like it's like Amy, you know. I, you remember that there country song goes, "Amy, what you wanna do?" 
I think I could stay with you for a while. I'm sorry, sorry, I shouldn't be doing that here. I'm trying to do something serious. All right, so it says, Amy, just do it remotely. That's, that's kind of that's kind of that they're dirty. Amy, do it remotely. What do they mean? All right, what do I do now? That nah, he hung up on me. I guess he didn't like my singing. <laughs> well, now that the jig's up, let's call him back. Let's call him back. Hello? Yeah, I think we got there disconnected somehow. Hey, dude, I remember. This is Alex. What? You remember you keep disturbing me? That's the same person. What? I didn't disturb you. I'm calling you about my here computer. I want no, you to fix my dude, computer. I remember. What? You remember? This is the first time we ever talked. Well, this is the second time we talk. I'll call you once before right now. But, you know, I ain't call you no before today. Well... Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, I do not have time. If you really want help, I can come here. All right. But if you do not want help, please don't talk. All right. All right. Go ahead. Give me help. Help. I need somebody. Go ahead. Help me. All right. So you are on the website. Yep. All right. You click on the on the option to start working with Ami Administry. Uh huh. All right. I, I click there on that. Something will get downloaded. Yep, it's a, it's saying that do you trust this file? Yes, no. Should I click yes? Click on yes. All right, all right. Click on it. I trust it. I trust you. you sound like a trustworthy guy. Sounds like no nonsense, like me and my farm. All right, it's it's downloading. It's um, it's going. Okay. It's going. That's kind of slow over here. I, I got that DSL over here. I, I I'm thinking of switching over to cable. I, I don't know. This DSL don't seem like it's too fast. All right. So, uh, well, how much is this whole thing going to cost me? By the way, we ain't we ain't really talked about that. Well, you, what is the problem that you're facing? Just tell me that. Well, what I well, I, I, that's the thing. I ain't facing no problem, but they're telling me that on this phone call that, that I got viruses on my computer and they can see everything I'm doing. And they can they can steal my files and they can delete okay. my and I was all, I was all worried about this and I can't have my my list of cattle deleted because then I ain't gonna know which is which I ain't gonna know you know Bessie from Massey. I get it. Okay. See, uh, well, that only will charge for the warranty. But before doing that, I need a service tag on your computer. Right. I will not be able to take a remote control without the service tag. Uh huh. So, is it a laptop or a desktop? It is a um, it's it's a laptop is what it is. Laptop. All right. If you flip the laptop, you'll find a service tag written down there. Can you let me know what is the service tag? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. Here, here we. I think. I think here's. I think I see it here. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here it is. You ready for it? Are you right, ready? Go ahead. All right. It, it's a uh, letter F like Frank. V like Victor, C like Charlie, C like Charlie. Okay, C like Charlie. Yeah, K. 
U M and number eight F V C K U M like Mary number eight. All right, again, dude, have some sleep, get some sleep, goodbye. What were you going? Where? Get some sleep, dude. I don't want to get no sleep. I got to get them the viruses off my computer. You, you wanted my service tag. I gave it to you. You, you laugh at me. Mess with me. What? Don't mess with me, man. Why, why shouldn't I mess with you? I'm trying to get them virus off my computer. I can't help you. Let me tell you, I can't help you. There is another person. Bye-bye. Why, why, why you put them uh, on speaker now? Why am I on speaker? Because I wish to. It's my phone. Hey, hey, um, hey, whoever's out there with that speaker phone listening to me, I just want to say um, this individual here, he don't want to help me fix my computer. He ain't a very nice guy. You know, I, I, I always thought when I went to them 7-Elevens and they gave me the Slurpee, I thought them pretty nice people, you know, and I, I call up, he won't to fix my computer. Like, what's up with that? You, what? Okay. <laughs> the funny thing is he didn't, like, he, of course he knew it was probably me pranking him, but, like, he didn't want to give up on it completely because he thought there was a chance it might be real. That's why he was, like, wanting the service tag. At least he figured out the fuck you, mate. F-V-C-K-U-M-8. Fuck you, mate. And I got to call back. good thing is, like, there's nothing he can do about this. There's nothing he can do. Father's saying he could change his number, but they always put the number on their website. That'll kill their business if they have to, like, not have their phone number up there. The person you are trying to reach is not available. Yes, he's not answering the phone now, but, you know, he threatened to block my calls, but he can't. I have ways around that. I have ways around being blocked. You can't block me. If I want to call you, I'm going to call you. I'll tell you that. I will tell you that. I, I have a lot of experience in this stuff, so... He's pretty much stuck with me for a while. Me and him are going to get to know each other real well. Me and my uh, service tag with fuck you, mate. All right. That was fun. Let's make another call. Um, there is a show called Hell's Kitchen. You've probably heard of it with Gordon Ramsay, where he goes around to struggling restaurants and tries to turn around their fortunes. Now, I have a lot of problems with that show. They do go to real restaurants that are actually having financial problems. But that's about where the reality ends. Uh, They overplay the drama. They tell the owners to purposely fight with Gordon and then by the end of the show come around to see things his way. Because they can't have Gordon coming in and like 10 minutes into the show 
yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, let's change everything. Like, there's got to be some conflict. There's got to be some drama. There's got to be, like, villains in the show. You, you can't have everyone just going along with Gordon and, uh, and not getting the viewer angry. So it would be a very boring show then. So they staged so much of that show. And the owners go along with it because they're desperate. They're, their dream is about to go up in smoke. Sometimes you don't think about that when you go into a small family-owned restaurant. But a lot of these families have put their entire fortune and a lot of time and effort into these restaurants. And most of them fail. So it's not just a matter of, oh, well, my restaurant failed to go do something else. Like, they've really put everything into it. And it's devastating to watch their dream not make it. Watch their dream turn into a nightmare, basically. So when Gordon Ramsay calls up and says, hey, I'm going to give your restaurant a ton of publicity and... Also, I'm going to give you helpful advice, and your restaurant's going to be saved. Of course they say yes, but they have to go along with what the show wants them to do. They're going to say, look, if you want us to do this for you, give you basically a lot of free promotion, a lot of free advertising, and turn things around for you, plus free advice and free makeovers of the place, then you have to play ball with us and create some drama for us. That's definitely what happens there. But I was intrigued by one particular episode of it that was brought to my attention long after I stopped watching the show. And that was one of a restaurant in Arizona that uh, was run by two really psychotic people. Now, they they always have some kind of like pig-headed or difficult owner that Gordon has to fight with. That's very common, but I think a lot of that has played up and I think a lot of these people actually all aren't all that bad. And in fact, by the end of the show, they seem like great people who've come around to Gordon's way of thinking. But let me get the uh, little more information about this here. Here we are. So this restaurant is called Amy's Baking Company, or it was called that. It's, uh, I'm not sure if it's still called that. But anyway, it's in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is near Phoenix. And uh, it's best known for having really, really crazy owners. The two owners are a married couple. It's an older Israeli guy who looks like he's in his 60s. Short, obnoxious, loud Israeli guy. And a fairly attractive, but totally crazy woman who's about 40 years old who's his wife uh, it's pretty clear to me that they don't say it that she was a Las Vegas stripper and this guy met her while going to a strip club and married her I can tell you that with a few exceptions it is a huge mistake to marry a stripper a huge mistake they, they just can't adjust to regular life in most cases there's many reasons for that that I won't get, go into, but strippers are not good women to bring home to mommy. The exception will occur to that when the stripper has already been out of the game for a long time. So if you meet a stripper who's 35, or a former stripper who's 35, who stopped stripping when she was 22, then you're in pretty good shape. Not great shape, but you're at this point she's been out of it for 13 years and lived a normal life outside of stripping hopefully it's not prostitution but you know something if she lives a conventional life after stripping for over 10 years you're pretty safe then 
But if it's someone that's still stripping, especially at a later age, like 30s or 40, uh, you're going to have a whole heap of trouble marrying a person like that. And, you know, a lot of the guys go into the strip clubs and get the attention from the strippers because the strippers have to give them attention and they lavish money upon them. And then some of these strippers say, hey, why am I doing this every night when I could marry one of these guys and live on easy street? Even if I'm not really into this dude and he's way older than me, you know, it's, it's better than stripping every night. So that's what some of them do. Some of them also feel like, hey, if I marry this guy who's got a, a lot of money or a respected position in society, that that'll elevate me as well. And I've seen many instances of this where the stripper tries to integrate herself into uh, higher society with almost comical results. Anyway, this one is totally crazy, this woman, this Amy. And, uh, and her husband is also nuts. So it, 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 you can only imagine what it's like with these two behind closed doors. But even not behind closed doors... Uh, basically they really, really, really go nuts fighting with the customers. Like anyone who, who slightly questions them, they, they go crazy and threaten people, tell them get out, scream in their face. It's like nothing you've ever seen. And this is not being played up. There are actually tons of reviews on Yelp. If you go out to Yelp and uh, type in Amy's Baking Company, Scottsdale, Arizona, you can read all the one-star reviews of people who had experiences there. Um... This is an example. This is from September 21st of this year, just uh, nine days ago. I myself tried the Blue Ribbon Burger with a group of family members, and when I say I thought we were in the twilight zone, I mean it. Amy, from behind the counter, of course, said she was going to call the police because we complained about soggy pizza. She then told Sammy, which is her husband, that we didn't know good food outside of fried chicken and watermelon. And of course you can guess the race of this reviewer I had to hold my sister back As she wanted face to face to ask Amy to repeat herself Can you imagine that scene? I I wish that was on camera I wish wish that was on camera With this racist, crazy ex-stripper Who doesn't like that the black people are complaining about soggy pizza, which it probably was soggy. The black people were probably right. And like, she, this Amy's like, well, you don't know anything because you only like fried chicken and watermelon, so you don't know good pizza. And then like, the sister of this woman is like, what you say? What are you going to say to me? I, I, I wish I was there. That would have been a great scene. Anyway. Um, then she said, Sammy was talking very fast, asking us to leave, stating that if the police come, we were going to be sent to jail because we were black and all black people go to jail when arguing with a white person. Yeah. <laughs> I believe this. If you've seen these two, you can totally believe it. Anyway, here's a clip from a very recent occurrence that happened over there. I guess there was a drunk guy at, uh, at this place, and uh, Sammy confronted the drunk guy with a knife, of all things, to get him out of the restaurant. This was on TMZ. So... 
Amy's holding Sammy back here, who is holding a knife outside the restaurant. Hey, you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. Think about what you're doing. That's some guy off camera yelling this at Sammy. Not worth it. That's Amy yelling, you motherfucking piece of shit coward, you drunk, you fucking drunk. And then they're holding her back too. So this is right outside their restaurant. Can you imagine this happening outside of a restaurant, the owners doing this? So we're going to try to call them up. This uh, Amy's, uh, I think it's changed names now. It's it's still called that. It's still called uh, um, Amy's Baking Company. Let's look up their phone number. Give them a call. You know what would be great is if this Indian scammer from fake Dell were to call up Amy's Baking Company and tell them there's a problem with their computer. Maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe they won't see that one coming. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's what I'm going to do. That's the call I'm going to make. I will be the guy we just spoke to. It's kind of like combining two prank calls. I'm trying to think of a call that they would not have gotten before. What the hell? Uh Uh-oh. What the hell's that? (laughs) Uh, Does it have a different phone number or something now? See what it says on Yelp for the phone number. No, that was the phone number. Weird. Nah, maybe they are closed now. I think I did wait. I think I waited too long. I think I think I did exactly what Beer and Poker told me not to do. Yeah, they close at nine. Crap. At least it's rain. Well, I mean, they should still be there. It's fifteen minutes later. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's like a an old eighties style answering machine picking up on the first ring. Yeah, they're only open till nine. I blew it. Well, I'll call next week. Sorry about that, guys. I, I spent too long talking about it and not making the call. Oops. I no, it's not a fax line. Mudbud is saying it's a fax line. I, I know my tones very well. A fax line is a really, really high pitched sound. And it kind of sounds like a like an old modem carrier from the uh the 80s. This is a lower pitch beep. Oh, well. It's not a fax line, though. That is not a fax. God. Why did I wait so late? Why? I say I'm not going to wait late, and then I wait late. I, why, why, why do I do that? I'm actually mad at myself. I'm not even pretending. I'm actually mad at myself. I said I'm not going to wait till late. Someone warns me, do not wait till late. I say, okay, I won't, and then I do. I, I just, I do stupid things sometimes. I, ugh. All right. That's annoying. Let's see what else we have on the schedule. 
now we have the editorial. We talked on Ultimate Poker. We talked about Ultimate Poker and their failures recently. But truthfully, they're not the only legalized online poker sites that are having problems or that are doing things wrong. WSOP.com has basically been failing and losing money. I have that from the management itself verified that for me that they're losing money, losing a lot of money. Why is that? Why are they losing so much money? Well, most of it is because they don't have the player pool that they need. New Jersey, eh, it's medium-sized state. Uh, Nevada, too small. They need a big state. They need several big states cooperating, especially. But it goes beyond that. None of these sites really consulted their likely player base before opening. They developed these sites in the dark, didn't let the players in on what was being done, maybe had a few beta testers here and there, but I mean going out to the community on 2 plus 2 or wherever else and saying, we are designing a poker site. We're starting a poker site. What would you guys like to see? Now, you'll get some idiotic responses, but you'll get some good ones too, especially from people, what you're looking for from the people who are routine grinders. The guys who play every day, all day, log hundreds of thousands or millions of hands. What do you want to see from a customer service perspective? What do you want to see from a gameplay perspective? What things do you want us to make sure to avoid as far as mistakes we could make? What things on other sites don't you like that you want to see us not do? What things do you see on sites that you do like that you want to see us do? What kind of rewards program would appeal to you? What type of things would attract you to playing here? What would make you want to sit and wait for opponents to start games? What are you looking for in a poker site? And listen. Listen to all of the suggestions. Don't necessarily take the suggestions, but listen to them all. And then take the good ones. Take the good ones that come from people that are experienced and know what they're talking about. Ultimate Poker did not do this. Ultimate Poker laughably had that drawing for the button bug. They had no waiting lists. Things that would have never passed the muster with anyone who's a frequent online poker player these days. The rewards programs on all these sites are terrible and really geared toward players who can play every day and punishing players who are only there in the States sometimes. When I say the States, I mean the States where you can play them. There's a lot of needless promotion and frills that the players really don't want or need and a lot of lacking areas that the players would like to see. The point is, we have a large community that interacts on forums that's easy to access, that want to be helpful, that in fact will feel good being helpful, and in fact will feel good giving suggestions that end up being taken. People like when their suggestions are used. The name of the show right now, by the way, is called Druff and Friends. This was actually suggested by a guy known as Quincy Beans, and I used it. 
And he said he's proud of that. He's proud of the fact that he suggested that name and I used it. I didn't pay him for it. I'm not going to pay him for it, but he was happy to see that I called it that. It's not a, you know, that's not the most complicated title, but it's, it's basically what the show is and it works and I took it. People like seeing their suggestions being taken. People like seeing that they've made a change for the better, even if they don't gain from it personally. And the funny thing is, these grinders actually will gain from it personally because they will get a product they want. Your product is the tool they use to make money. So if it functions better, they win too, literally and figuratively. Strangely enough, with all these grinders who can give you these great intelligent suggestions, who can tell you what they want to see, who can tell you what poker players in general want to see and not see, you don't want to talk to them. You don't want to hear from them. You give them what you think they should have, and then when they don't like it, you tell them they don't know what they're talking about or they don't understand the difficulties in uh, doing what you're doing. And that drives people away. That makes people not want to put an effort to get your site moving. That drives people to not be loyal to your site. You know, those propaganda videos by poker stars got one thing right. They said that they built a brand with amazing customer loyalty because they focused hard on customer service and giving the players what they wanted. And you know what? Poker stars did that. Poker stars did give the players what they wanted software-wise and gameplay-wise. They did give the players what they wanted customer service-wise, and that's how they became by far the biggest online poker company in the world. That's how you do it. The way you don't do it is by not listening to the players. PokerStars also met with key players in New Jersey to ask them just that. What do you want? What things would you like to see? Here's what we're going to do. How do you feel about that? Again, PokerStars was smart. Everybody else has been done. Now, that doesn't mean imitate PokerStars, and that's been another problem. All these sites just want to imitate PokerStars because they figure if PokerStars made it work, then just emulating them will also make it work. Wrong. PokerStars is existing in a different type of market, and I think even they understand that they're going to exist in a different type of market if they enter the legalized U.S. market, and that's why they are meeting with players in New Jersey to say, hey, what do you want? What are you expecting in the legalized online poker market? Because we understand this is a different ball game than what we've been doing for the last 12 years. So it's funny, PokerStars understands that their winning model does not necessarily work properly in the legalized online intrastate model, and yet all the other sites think imitating PokerStars' international model is going to win for them. You have a resource right there that will work for you for free, and you're not utilizing it. Or if you are, you're not taking these suggestions seriously. William Reynolds is somewhat of a blowhard and does like to start trouble. I'm not necessarily taking his side here against Ultimate Poker, but he does bring up a good point that he gave them a whole lot of suggestions on how to improve and they chose not to take any of them. William Renners is an online poker grinder and does probably know what they can improve and what they're doing wrong. And the fact that they chose to ignore him is very telling about their business model. But it's not just Ultimate Poker. WSOP.com is guilty of this. You know, how about their stupidity with uh, using their 2 plus 2 form as only a promotional form and refusing to answer questions there? and trying to get everyone used to emailing support at WSOP.com, which they admit is very poor right now. 
and yet they've got a forum, they've got a sponsored forum where they will not answer questions for the most part. It's awful. That's not what the players want. Players want communication. Players want accessibility to management. Players want to be listened to. Players want their concerns addressed quickly and efficiently. They want to be taken seriously. But it seems like the legalized online poker sites are more giving you what they think you should want and not what you actually do want. And when you tell them that they're wrong, they don't want to listen. All you have to do is ask, and the players will tell you. For some reason, they're not very curious about this. So, we have reached the end. We have... No more topics on the schedule, but I just got two topics PM'd to me. This is from Beer and Poker. So I, I haven't read these stories, and I'm, I'm reading them as I'm going along, producing the show as we're doing the show, as is par for the course on this program. So I guess there's a variant of Blackjack opening up at the Fremont Hotel and Casino in Vegas, in downtown it's on a 45-day trial called Change It 21. Uh, it's dealt similar to traditional blackjack, has six decks, minimum bet $5. Uh, you, know, you get your two cards faced up, the dealer gets one card up, one card down. However, the difference is that the player can then exchange one of your cards for a fresh one off the top of the deck. And then you have to match your original bet of 50%. So let's say you bet 10 bucks. Uh, if you want to replace one of your cards, then you have to put a $5 fee next to it. And then they will give you a different card out of the deck instead of the one you uh, don't like. And then the hand's played normally. And you can double or split after changing the card. Everything is the same way. However, they have changed a few things to make it more difficult to win. Because otherwise, if you could do this without a change in payouts or rules, then you would kill it. Uh, the dealer hits soft seven team. Of course, they are doing that in most places now. Blackjack only pays six to five. You can't double after you split, and you can't surrender, and you can't resplit aces. Uh, and then uh, the guy who invented this said, I can't believe it wasn't the first blackjack variation invented. Every poker player, every player, not poker, every player often wishes that they've been dealt different cards. This game satisfies that wish. So I haven't seen the analysis of this. Now, I'm not understanding if that fee, 50% fee you're paying is if you're paying it to the house or if you're just betting more. That's what I don't get. Uh, If you're just betting more, and you can replace a card, that might be worth giving up the 3-2 blackjack and getting a 6-5 to five and giving up, giving up the uh, no double after split. If you actually have to pay 50% of your hand, that sucks. That would be awful. So, I don't know. I'd never heard of this before, so I'm just reading what the article says. Uh, other topics suggested to me by Beer and Poker? Actually, I knew about this one. I just chose not to talk about it, but what the hell we will. Uh, PokerStars has withdrawn from Malaysia and Turkey, apparently. 
They they don't want to continue to offer games in Malaysia and Turkey, but also not to Nigeria, meaning they won't be taking in scammer money, Bangladesh or Iran. I can't imagine there's a lot of players from these countries, especially Nigeria, Bangladesh, and Iran. I also can't think the players from these companies would be uh, countries would be very good. I can tell you that Turkish poker players went to actually in Turkey were the worst players I've ever played against. You know, people like to bash the French, saying that they're bad poker players, and bash other certain countries. But I, there's no comparison to Turkey. I, I played Turkish poker players on this one network nine years ago, and they were all universally awful. Awful. I used to have some of these Turks in Limit Hold'em that would just cap it on every street with nothing. Nothing. So they, they wouldn't mix it up either. Just like every hand, when they'd play, they'd just go raise, 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 raise all the way through. So if you, if you had a decent hand, you'd just have to hold your breath and keep re-raising them and, and hope your hand holds up. But it usually does. You just wait till you have a hand that's uh, well above average, like top hair or better, um, and then you just raise forever with them. And you clobber them. And other ones were super passive to the point of ridiculousness. I had ones that were check-calling sets all the way down. I mean, really, really, really bad. So PokerStars is withdrawing from those countries. Uh, PokerStars in general seems to be getting away from offering their services to countries which don't want them there. So... In some countries, they're trying to work with regulators. Other ones like this, where there's probably hardly any players, they just withdraw from there. It's like not worth the trouble. That's what they're saying. They're like, we don't want to piss off these countries and cause issues. We're, we just, if you don't want us there, we're leaving. Goodbye. You hardly have any players for us anyway, so who cares? So that's, as I'm sure that's another change that Amaya is doing in that they're getting out of the whole illegal market. It, it's almost like... Uh, when the mob would go legit, when the mob would change their business model from uh, shakedowns and protection money to legitimate businesses. Kind of what's happening here. That PokerStars is trying to switch to a legal model. So thank you to Beer and Poker for those tips on topics to talk about. It would be kind of funny to win Nigerian scammer money. All right, River phone call. Since we're not getting any calls in right now, I'll make a call out. That was a scammer. He doesn't want to play with me anymore tonight. What time is it in India? Let me figure that out. Let's see. What time is it in India right now? Time right now in India, 10.04 a.m. Well, at least I'm not waking him up. At least, uh, 
bright and early in the morning there. He probably was having his uh, his breakfast, whatever an Indian breakfast would entail. Probably had a lot of curry in it. And uh, got a call from me. He told me to make a quick buck, and then it turns out to be, ah, that old guy pranking me again. But he couldn't give up on it. It reminds me, actually, of when Ken Scaler used to take out personal ads in the newspaper and would put his home phone number there, and he would get tons of prank calls. But he could never hang up on the prank callers because he was so worried if he hung up on them that he might be hanging up on a girl who's really interested in him. So even like a really obvious prank call, he couldn't hang up on it. He had to, just in case there's like a 1% chance it's real, he didn't want to give up on it. So that's, that's what the scammer was doing. He was just... He was seeing the dollar signs in his eyes. He wanted to take 400 bucks from this hick. And I think it was the service tag of fuck you mate that finally had him convinced beyond the shadow of a doubt that this was a prank call. We will be back next week. This is our fifth show already in September. Some months I took a few weeks off for whatever reason, but September we came back strong with five shows. Show number five here. October will have four shows. First one will be on October 7th, Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. I want to thank everybody who donated to the free roll this week and all other weeks. And all our live listeners, all of our archive listeners. And you know what? I've read some comments about Poker Fraud Alert on various blogs and other places around the web. Occasionally I Google Poker Fraud Alert Radio to see what people say and... The comments have been positive, and I appreciate that. I really do read what you write about this show, and I like feedback, good or bad. Good night, and shalom.